Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Ineash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber, and we have two special guests today. I'm David Youssef. I'm Jess Dickey. Yay, David is in town. He was uh, here, what, a year ago, about? Almost exactly, yeah. Okay. Has and it been that long? Mm-hmm. It's, it, was, it was when I was doing the renovations, right? Yeah. So I guess nine months ago. It was a while. Yeah. Then has been a couple episodes. Yeah, but anyways, he was on an episode, and he's here visiting us again, so we decided to have him on for this. Yeah, all right. I'm feeling kind of disorganized, but we can just run right into this. Are we ready? Yeah, well, last episode, you, at the very end, oh, yeah. asked me this question. And I was like, I don't know who this is. Whatever. I don't want to talk about it. And uh, then it's come up again. So now we're going to talk about it. What was the question you asked me at the end, at last episode? Um, we had somebody write in and ask if we had any thoughts about um, Carl Benjamin slash Sargon of Akkad being uh, kicked off of Patreon. And... I thought it'd be kind of a quick 10 minute thing to, you know, run past. And there's a bit more, I guess, to talk about there. So 10 minutes, haha. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't have much more than 10 minutes of thought, but I'm sure you guys look at me, get, hey, me, get my us. thoughts going. Exactly. Even if we each only have 10 minutes, that's 40 minutes. So to be clear, does anyone have a lot of background with Sargon of Akkad? No, never heard of him before you asked that question. I've watched a few of his videos and the truth is he's, he's not neoconservative and he's not exactly alt-right, but he's definitely leaning in that sphere and a lot of his views seem very politically incorrect and just downright wrong. What about you? Any background on this guy? Um, I knew of him as like an anti-SJW. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was it. I, I had literally never seen anything that he put up or I had heard the name Sargon of Akkad, but I thought it was some like, you know, ancient Egyptian prince or something. <laughs> um, turns out he ripped off his name from some ancient figure like that. So uh, I I knew that this was somebody who, would, who was around saying things, but I didn't know who it was. So... So what happened with Sargon of Akkad? Yeah, so, well, I guess to, well, what happened was he was kicked off of Patreon, what, like three weeks ago, early December? And, and like, right after that happened, right after you asked me, I suddenly started hearing about it because, like, mm -hmm. it became a thing with Sam Harris and a bunch of other people. It became a big thing, and part of what made this more fun to talk about is, I want to say a couple days later, Sam Harris announced that he was leaving Patreon. Yeah. And I think he's their largest content creator as far as the money he brings through the through the website oh really so, i didn't know that um I, I haven't verified that but somebody i saw a post on it on the subreddit moderate politics and they said that he was i'm not sure but even if he's not at the top he's right up there yeah he, he i'd like to make an update i just found out today that jordan peterson and dave rubin also said they were going to leave as of today okay so it's I, going bigger. More people are leaving, and they're both pretty hefty hitters. Well, we've lost a few patrons I know who just, you know, are going with this and being like, fuck Patreon. I remember the first time this happened about a year and a half ago. That wasn't about somebody being kicked off. That was them changing their payment policy. Right, yeah. Um, and there were several people who left because of that, too. Yeah. But then they changed the payment policy back, and we got most of them back. That reminds me. We lost somebody who was at the $10 level, and we need to give Aww. them some. Well, I mean, it's not, you know, I, I fully support your decision to, to leave yeah, if, you're, yeah. if this is where you're at. Um, I don't think we're leaving. Maybe we'll decide where we're at after the show. I don't plan on it. Yeah, but maybe the, you guys uh, change your mind. What's the top alternative to Patreon right now? There is none. Yeah, it and the fact, top alternative is setting up your own, like, PayPal thing. Well, that's, that's what they're doing. So Jordan Peterson, in the video he put out today with Dave Rubin, I watched it this morning, explained that they were going to try to release something by January 15th, but they've decided Whoa, to push it that back. that is way like, fast. Yeah, they've decided to push it back by another month or so, so they can really like sharpen it up. But they apparently got emails and results from people who work at Google and Amazon that want to help them set up a cryptocurrency-based alternative. Why that, cryptocurrency, man? Because then no one can trace it and they can't stop it. That, <laughs> Intellectual that's dark web. Yeah, it's also a major barrier to entry. Yeah, seriously. Who cares if people can trace the money that you've donated? 
Unless they're terrorists. Well, um, in that case, you probably don't want to be funding it. Well, that's, that's my point, though. Mm-hmm. Like, Unless you're buying drugs or supporting crime, like you don't need to hide who you're giving your money to. Yeah. Well, no, that's the thing. The reason that they got rid of Sargon of Akkad is because the credit card companies asked them to, which is huh. terrifying. That's, that's not the official story no it All isn't right, so, so but we'll, the we'll official to... story is full of holes as well well the official story so we'll, we'll get into that and then i want to hear yeah, this yeah. this possibly conspiracy theory too or not <laughs> um the i know that there was a, another platform that they were moving to and i forget what it's called that was based in russia I was that ask then that. then paypal kicked back and said nope we're not letting you guys use that one because paypal is the money transaction person behind yeah. patreon so mm-hmm. um yeah, that is sort of that is sort of monopolizing them out of the ability to take money off the internet, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So my my understanding. Sorry, were you gonna say something? You know, I was just kind of wondering why no one else was setting up their own platform with Patreon being such assholes and PayPal like fucking people over. But I, I guess they are now. So they, they need to right. work on something that is not Patreon or PayPal related. So I think that's what they're doing. There was a non-Patreon PayPal supported one that they were then kicked off of too. So I kind of thought like Q was sort of silly sounding before but like now i guess might be a thing what q was like some service that are try- trying to advertise themselves as like the new alternative to oh, paypal was that the letter q yeah just the letter q i remember that that was a currency though it was like of. some kind of yeah e-currency or something i, I wonder I how that's doing now it generated know. a lot of buzz and now i don't hear about it anymore right it came and it went but you know we do need some alternative pay- to paypal Anyways, we are getting off topic. Oh no, this is this is all somewhat related. I think so again, just doing some quick homework on Carl Benjamin, the guy who goes by the online name of Sargon of Akkad. He has a Wikipedia page and that's where most most of my homework came from because I didn't get around to watching any of his videos. I guess I probably could have, but frankly, I just wanted to see like, alright, what's quick and dirty? And I trust Wikipedia's analysis of everything. So um <laughs> the the first part of like of, there's one of the top paragraphs was here's here's the quote benjamin's early youtube videos often promoted anti-feminism his channel first drew attention during the gamergate controversy in 2014 when he argued in one of his videos that members of the digital games research association were actively plotting to influence video game development to conform to their ideological feminist agenda Can and I then i'm oh, sorry yeah yeah uh real quick i don't think I mean, unless we are here to, like, trying to judge whether he deserved to be kicked off or not, is that what we're doing? Because I don't, I don't think that's necessarily all that relevant. Like, we already know that he's sort of a, he's probably, anyway, from what I've heard, some sort of light, right-leaning troll and anti-SJW, and I'm, I'm willing to concede that. I think, I, my, I, my, I have one more quote, and then I was going to make my quick case about why I think, I think we, we are here to kind of debate that point, whether or not he deserved it. Okay. Um... So then the next one, and again, read his Wikipedia page. There's good and bad. I think Inuyasha's summary is basically accurate. But then there was another one. In May of 2016, in response to the Labor Party politician Jess Phillips' statement that rape threats are commonplace for her, Benjamin said, quote, I wouldn't even rape you in a YouTube video and repeated this on Twitter. Benjamin declined to apologize for the comments. Um, so I'm sure he said things that are insightful and interesting to a lot of people, but my quick takeaway is that this guy's kind of a professional asshole. Mm. And so... I think the official story for why he was banned off of Patreon was that he had used the the, the basically the one word that we're not allowed to say the n word um, word in a video, um, and they're like, "Hey, you can't do that; it's hate speech." And so what you said is that it's full of holes. Was that it wasn't on his own channel, I think, right. and he was using it the opposite of the pejorative way that's usually used. He was making fun of like racists by calling them like white n words or something, and it like was he was trying to use an insult 
that he knew would hurt those white supremacists the most. Okay. And using that word is an effective way to do that. Yeah, right. there's not really any good uh, pejoratives for white people. No, not really. And I think, and he was doing it like you, Listen, like you honky, said. Listen, honky, I don't need that right now. But that's just a very silly word. I don't right. know if anyone's actually offended by that. I always thought cracker was white and square. And again, that's a very funny word. It yeah. is. <laughs> it's not yeah. like, it doesn't have the punch. There, no. there, I mean, because there's no history of violence associated with it. Yeah. Once there is, then we'll have an insult with punch. But Yeah. Well, someone will get to work on that. <laughs> um, so their, their official reason for banning him was kind of just, it seemed like, you know, Bullshit. We're grasping at straws, mm-hmm. but my my thing is that I it seems like he has a history of being a professional asshole, and they were like, "Look, we're sick of your shit," and here's it's kind of like I don't know being brought in on some you know they they got uh who you know uh, uh, not Pablo Escobar the other uh, big drug Trapo. guy whatever big drug guy they caught in tax fraud mm-hmm. I, I sh- I'm blanking on his name you know what I'm talking about Al Capone uh, Al Capone yeah, yeah. Al Capone, right. so it's like all right we can't get you on what we really hate you for but here we got you you know fuck you. Yeah, but Al Capone had actually committed crimes. Right. No, I know, and but I guess it I, depends on whether you think. I, I use it as an analogy to say we can't catch you on what like we really want because you know we can't pin that down, but we're going to get you for whatever we can. And are mm-hmm. you, are you okay with that? With Al Capone's situation, or with Sargon? Well, I mean, with with that right tactic? now with Sargon. In 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 general, are you okay with that? But also in this specific situation. I mean, in general, are you okay with someone in power saying, "Well, I can't pin anything on you, but I don't like you, so I'm going to make some shit up." Okay, so there's. I, th- I think the situations are too disanalogous for me to make a comparison there because on the one hand we're saying we're going to take away your freedom and put you in jail mm-hmm. not just because I don't like you because Capone was breaking the law and hurting people and killing people so like there you know that was more like we need to get you out of society by whatever means necessary mm-hmm. and we're not going to just kill you because we're too cool for that I guess no they, um, they killed lots of people without due process back in that time fair enough and continue to right. that's well, true uh, I guess the the difference between that and and Christopher or Carl Benjamin's position is that he no one's taking away his right to do stuff. They're just taking away his is they're they're saying we're not going to let you make money through us doing it. Okay, right. So like he he could presumably set up his own you know. They're saying we won't let you use our service. Right. Okay. Yeah. And which so, is the only game in town apparently. It is. Kind of. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, on, I, on I'm pretty scale. sure that you could still do. Yeah. On an easy scale, like. Um, you can sign up through, you know, somebody, I'm not sure if he could do his own PayPal, if PayPal has explicitly kicked him off or not, but I know people can do that. Um, there are, there are ways to do a PO box and be like, please mail me checks. And (laughs) there are ways to do like recurring monthly payments through PayPal too. So, you know, presumably if he wanted to do that, he could. Um, I think my thing is like, as far as, is it, is it wrong to deny him the ability to use their service is kind of what you're asking. Uh, yeah, I think. I'm torn. Like on the one hand, it's like it's if if I owned Patreon, I'm like, well, you're an asshole. I don't want you using it. Right. So if, like, but Patreon is not owned by one person. Patreon is a dragon. It it is a non-human entity, and at that point, it it gives up some rights, in my opinion. I I have this real problem with services and platforms using their power to fuck individuals. Uh, for example. Lots of neo-Nazis, I am sure, use things like Microsoft Word to write up their screeds <laughs> and then print them out and spread pamphlets around colleges, right? People still do that nowadays? Because we, we invented the printing press for this, right? <laughs> Anyways, I'm sure not neo-Nazis use Microsoft Word, and uh, they probably run their computers using uh, Microsoft Windows. And Microsoft Windows doesn't fucking discriminate. They're like, we're a platform. This 
you buy our product, you can use our product. We don't go around vetting and judging everybody. And I mean, that's that's what a platform is. I don't want my fucking nail supplier to go and vet everyone and make sure that are you using this nail for a you know culturally approved product? Because if you're using it for something that is too far to the right or too far to the left where you're not allowed to do it, it's like you fucking run a hardware store sell me your goddamn nails so and i mean bill bill gates like went off on google and youtube and facebook for this sort of thing at one point he said you call yourselves a platform but a platform is something that creates far more value than it captures windows arguably when it runs well <laughs> creates a lot more value than is captured and same with word and excel and all those things the entire internet yeah yeah and the these companies capture almost all their value they steal not steal they gather all these <laughs> metrics on us they sell them to advertisers every single bit of value that they can squeeze out is captured and squeezed out they're not they're not true platforms in that sense but also in the sense that now they're even judging who can and can't use their product which i think is complete bullshit all right i know we're not giving our guests a lot of time to talk right, right now sorry but, but I, mean, I, I just I'm, had opinions I'm, I'm gonna jump back at that anyway because we disagree so seldom that i think this is interesting so you guys feel free just to shout over us anytime. I think, all right, so I'm, I'm going to do the reducto ad absurdum that I do to illustrate like any point to see if there's, is there any point where you'd say, look, now I'm okay with them banning them from Patreon. Like if if, if Osama bin Laden had a Patreon account, mm -hmm. would you say they shouldn't let him use it? If you're literally breaking the law, if you're using your free speech to call to for violence, incitements to violence or uh, harassment. Of... So you would do it at, at law breaking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was pointing out that the Capone example, uh, I don't think, is quite the same. Um, and that, like, the, the tactic of catching somebody for some technicality, that's not a tactic that I would want my enemies to be able to use against me legally. Yeah. So if, you know, the current culture weren't uh, what Well, it he was, was also breaking tax, tax laws, wasn't he? Well, so, yes, he was. So, like, they, they got him on an actual thing that he actually yeah. did. Right. And I guess and, like, that's that also sounds legitimate. like a joke, but the truth is... Think about the amount of money Al Capone had and that if he had been taxed, that money would have gone towards schools and hospitals. Like, there's a real case to be made that that was the crime that did the most damage in the long run. I didn't mean to cut you off, though. Um, that was pretty much my point, yeah. yeah. And your point still stands whether or not, like, that was an actual thing. I see what you're saying. I guess, for me... that Are you familiar with how the justice system works nowadays? In that this is basically what happens to people. I... I have never been brought up on charges. Well, so. I mean, I haven't either, but I've read enough about it. The 99% of cases never go to trial, and if they did, the system would collapse. We do not have the infrastructure, the people, the courts, the judges, the money to actually give everyone a fair trial. So what happens is someone gets uh, pulled into the police station under suspicion from the officers that arrested them. And they're like, look, we got you on this and this and this. And they will name, not, I mean, what they want you on is you were selling heroin or something, right? But they're like, we got you on position of this. We got you on possession of a weapon. Uh, you don't have your permit up to date. They will throw so many things at you. And they're like, look, we can press all these charges. You are looking at 100 years in jail. Or you can just plea to this, this one charge. You only spend 10 years in jail. And the thing is, a lot of people who are actually innocent plead guilty. They'll take two years in jail for something they didn't do. Because one, they're facing these huge charges. And two, they know that if they're one of the tiny few people who push back and are like, no, I didn't do this. Prove it. You know, prove that you did this. 
the court cannot allow people to do that en masse because then the system would grind to a halt. So they fucking throw the book at you if you try to fight it. Right. And and it and fucks and people's lives At a much smaller up. scale, you get those with traffic tickets, too. Yeah. If you, pay, if you pay your ticket early, you pay a reduced fine and fewer points in your license. Whereas if you take it to court, you agree that you're going to pay a maximum of, whatever, 150% of the face value of the ticket, plus you get, like, t- double the points. So it's like we're incentivizing you to just not exercise your rights and so yeah it's weird and but the thing is how many people are not guilty of a felony have you watched something that you have not paid for never right have are you, you ever done a substance which is controlled by the government absolutely not I'm no. a, i don't feel comfortable in this room anymore yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good drug-fearing god-loving patriot literally <laughs> every single citizen in the united states can be put in jail if right. the government wants you in jail i'd like to point out something yeah it's a pain in the ass to fight it, but I actually have been prosecuted for things, and I do fight traffic tickets, and I've never lost. That's because I'm cops not that smart. The cops really almost not. never show up to the to the hearings. Too, Even then, they're too busy. like if you are willing to show up every single time, I've always had them say, "Why are you here? Why did you decide to fight this?" And my answer is usually like, "I don't care about the money. I just don't want any points on my license." And every single time the judge is like, "If you care about it enough to fight us and risk like doing that, I'm okay with it," and they just give it to me. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. But it just, it's so much trouble. Like, if you're (laughs) willing to be the jerk and be more persistent, the system actually favors the normal person. But most people don't go after it because it is such a pain. And a lot of times, the reason people will accept those plea deals is because they'll keep you in the jail until you make a decision. And if you accept and take the plea, they'll send you home. They'll often get you out on time served. Yeah. Yeah. And And you now have a felony on your record, but you got to go home. Yeah, and I think traffic tickets are kind of like a watered-down version of the actual law. Um, I was in a courtroom once waiting for somebody else's time before the judge, and the guy before him owned a bar downtown. And the way that works, actually, anyone's allowed to just go sit in court. If you get super bored and you live near a courthouse, you can just go listen to all the dumb shit people get dragged in front of the judge for. Oh, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go watch some lives get just torn apart. Anyway, so he was driving people home from his bar um, at, after close, and he had an unregistered gun in the car. Which he uses for self-defense in the event that something happened because he drink, drives drunks home because he's a chill dude. So it made it sound like, oh, wait, maybe the gun was registered. I forget what the deal was because the guy... There was some technicality. There was some technicality. And um, maybe he didn't have the right... To, I can't remember what it was. In any case, uh, this we're getting really far afield, but I'll finish this quick story. Um, he had said... I was because he was right in front of me and he's talking to his lawyer and stuff. And then his lawyer talked to the... You know, they're talking to the room and the judge and whatever. And they... The lawyer had said, all right, look, if you do this, you could face up to eight years or whatever it was, or some high number because you've got this, this, and this. But if you just do what the judge is saying and plea, you just get served a couple months in jail. And it's like, so when he's, when they asked him, how do you plead? He said, I plead guilty, but I wanted on the record that I didn't commit the crime of being charged that I'm pleading guilty to. And they mm-hmm. said, fine. So it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, that, that all that aside, I feel like we're slipping into that same, we're sliding down that slippery slope without the intellectual dark webbers want us to, okay. which is that... Uh, being deplatformed or being called out on Twitter is the same as being charged with a crime, and it's not. No, no one's no one's gone as far as I know to Carl Benjamin's house and cuffed him, right? I don't think so, anyone gives a shit about being called out on Twitter. Most people would like Carl Benjamin would actually probably like that because it would give them more views. I was being trolly. Okay, yeah. okay, but uh, um, being taken off of Twitter, Twitter, uh, not Twitter, uh, Patreon. That for a lot of people, that's how they fucking pay for their heat during the winter. And that that's his livelihood. Sure. To be fair, he earned 
what when he was kicked off he was making 12k a month so if, if he didn't have money to save for the winter that's on him but i'm being an asshole yeah, so no, no, no. the um and i mean to be fair it's not even that i care about the money that much it's like i mean we're on patreon we make some money if we got kicked off whatever we both still jobs have jobs right but it's it's the fucking principle of the matter that you can just make people these promises like yeah we'll be your service you can use us everything and then be like oh no we don't like what you're saying get out of here it so I, I dislike them exercising censorship powers so you're drawing a line between a business owner and a dragon like patreon or apple or whatever right um i'm i'm drawing a line between someone being silenced for having the wrong opinions and well, even though i do think his opinions are wrong i'm like let him say it all right, so may, hold on. May I yeah. make an argument where I agree with you, but I'm attacking it from another side? Sure. Let's think about the consequences of this. Eventually, someone is going to create a Patreon alternative, and I do believe that they will try, in order to prevent this from happening again, to create a very resilient and anonymous system, probably involving a cryptocurrency, but I can imagine a few different ways they would do that. And what's this going to do? It's going to attract all the actual neo-Nazis. It's going to attract the actual dangerous people because now we have forced a group of people to create an anonymous donation system in order to support themselves. Like, even if you think Sargon of Akkad was completely wrong, I think this does more damage than good in the long run because it's just going to polarize things further and create a new platform that will enhance more hate speech. Yeah, like, if they kept it on Patreon then they could have said, hey, we gave Sargon of Akkad three warnings, and now we've taken him off for a month. He'll be back on in a month, but we're giving him a warning, and they could have enforced the idea without creating this terrible dynamic. Yeah, they kind of just murdered him. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, and that's a good way to put it, that they martyred him on this, because they, as far as I know, he didn't get, like, real warnings or something. I did see the video that, somebody, that the person who told us about this sent in, and... He wasn't given a heads up. He wasn't given, you know, a slap on the wrist. Like I said, a, a month's off saying, look, we're not, we're going to hold this month's payments from you because you need to get your shit together. That would have been probably a good enough wake up call. And then maybe he would have, you know, done something different. But, you know, if you owned a, to make it, again, absurd, if you owned a bakery and somebody came in and said, I want a cake that says, fuck the Jews with a big swastika on it, would you make it for him? I would not. And can I explain <laughs> to you why? Aren't you silencing their way that they wanted to celebrate with their cake? Yeah, their free I, speech. No, no, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> if I had pre made cakes, available and refused to sell them to a nazi that wanted to write fuck the jews on his own cake i i would absolutely sell that cake to them because it's it's just a product there that for anyone to buy if they want me to invest my labor to like customize it then that's a different thing so even if all of your cakes came with a tag on them that says made by inyasha's bakery mm -hmm. and so when they post pictures of their big jew hating cake on youtube or on facebook it's going to have a your your tag on it well, whatever man all right. I, I make cakes people buy cakes I think, I think people sell notebooks and then they write racist thing in them but i've never looked at a notebook company and said you're supporting hate speech mm. The Even manufacturers... when their names are at the top of it, I've never really blamed them. No, no, but the manufacturers of Tiki Torch did come out and say, like, we don't condone what those those <laughs> idiots are doing with our Tiki Torches at that that white hate rally. So Well, that's because they were um... using the product incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> if someone you have was to stand to... still to keep the bugs away. <laughs> if someone march. was to actually, like, start some kind of hate campaign on my bakery, being like, how dare you sell to Nazis? I would say I do not condone the condition, the actions of these Nazis, but I wouldn't stop selling to them. All right. So I think for me, I don't know, I'm torn. And maybe there's a less fringe example than Sarkhan to look at, which is uh, um, Alex Jones was kicked off within a week of like 
Wait, did you say less fringe? <laughs> I meant uh, less um, controversial example. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you. Good point. Uh, so he was kicked off of, uh, what, YouTube, Patreon, Apple, and some other giant thing within a week. Maybe Twitter. Yeah, a um, social media platform or something. Yeah. And so this came the week that he – because this is – Alex Jones is the, the – conspiracy theorist radio show host who boasted a weekly phone call to donald trump before he became president and he was like he, he's the main guy behind like the the school shootings being fake and those parents are paid actors and um so when he would say you know hassle these these actors because they're just out there to try and stir up the shit and take our guns and people did that that's the vibe for years and then what finally uh prompted people to kick him off was when he encouraged his listeners well i don't think he said go out i don't think he said quote go kill Robert Mueller, what he said was like, you know, I've got a big audience, he'd better be careful or something. It was some, some it was veiled threat mm-hmm. against uh, the director of the special counsel of the FBI. And uh, that was like, all right, cool, finally, we got him. We can't get him on being a complete fucking piece of shit, yeah. but we can get him for breaking this, you know, for, for towing this legal line. Yeah, yeah. And so... For, for inciting violence. Yeah, so... Um, well, for, for implying incited violence, right? Right, right. So that's implying inside of violence might not even be a crime but do you, do you support him being taken off i think once it's at the point where any reasonable person can tell that he is threatening someone's life then yeah i see i think and i know that this is a, a slippery slope maybe you guys will talk me off of it and i'm sorry we're, i'm dominating the conversation here but yeah. i think for me it's you have like, the most extreme opinion <laughs> i do which is that like i would have been on favor with kicking him off two years ago okay. when he had said hey look those those bereaved parents are a bunch of bunch of phonies. You guys send them a bunch of letters, and here's their addresses. Go give them shit. Oh, at that point, like, I also would have been okay kicking them off because that is that's doxing people, f- so for they w- for them to be harassed. Well, I mean, they're also in the phone book, right? So like, I don't know if it's doxing. Yeah. And these people, you know, gave their names on the news. Like, that's, I don't think it's even really doxing, other than it is just saying go think, be an asshole to these people. I think our harassment is that actually against the law. Like, I think our harassment laws are a little too light. That sort of thing should be illegal, is it not? I guess I don't really care what the if law is. If your information is public, I think that it's fair use to publicize it further. Like, the truth is, I'm pretty sure if someone did, like, 20 minutes of Googling, they could probably find my phone number. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm sure it's somewhere online. And if they publicize that somewhere, I probably wouldn't be happy about it. But I don't think I have legal ground to tell them to take it down. Because at worst, they could just be like, click this link and I'll redirect you to David's number. Like, I don't think there's any way around that. Yeah, there's a point that I wanted to make where I do actually think that there's a difference between, for example, the small cake shop and like the huge platform like Patreon. I think that the scale does matter after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Because even if your phone number is in the phone book and you, people can find it, if someone with a really significant audience behind them publishes it, then you get a huge stream of harassers. You know, um, it's it's worth making the distinction at some point by how much damage can be done mm-hmm. to either That's the person whose livelihood got taken away or by the person who's being harassed quantity has a quality all of its own so your your position then is that it's it's you draw the line at the law whatever the law is presumably maybe i don't know presumably um, yeah like, but it's i'm drawing the line at the law because i think the law is fairly reasonable in this regard and the difference between the cake shop owner and well i guess you you bit the bullet in the cake shop owner which yeah. was like i'd sell it to him anyway yeah i actually um, disagree with that really yeah um I also and it's, w- it's I also just the matter hire of a neo-nazi to, like to work on my house right like if if I was I didn't mean to drop but I just wanted to, I had it's this okay. other example that uh you know you did a lot of housework last year mm-hmm. if you were contracting out some of your work because you needed help or something and there was you know applicants or whatever and you know one guy was like yep I'm a neo Nazi asshole and got swastika tattoos on my face and this guy's like I'm a normal dude um you probably would hire the normal dude if I had the choice between them yeah 
even if i mean i think the idea that like you you don't want to support somebody who's gonna use your money or your your whatever to no it's not nearly that i would just be much less comfortable having a neo-nazi in my house or around my person i think i, I didn't make that point very well i guess um I'm sorry, Jess, go back to yours. I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, um, I don't have a good, like, place where I would draw the line, necessarily. Uh, that that would be the difficult thing to do. But, like, for example, Inuyasha's Bakery, if you did bake a cake for a neo-Nazi, that could ruin your reputation um, among, you know, the small area that you operate in. Yeah, but if you were in the 50s and you served a sandwich to a black person, that could ruin your reputation, too. Yeah, but there's one case where, like, you're doing the right thing, and one case where you're doing yeah. arguably the wrong thing. I mean, like, you're not going to... Neo-Nazis are not analogous to 1950s black people. Okay, <laughs> I, okay, I'm nope, not saying I'm gonna, are. I'm going to actually, like, step in here. The fear is this. Even if it's completely justified now, what we're doing is allowing Patreon and the mob, because that's really what it is. It's the overzealous social justice warriors who may have a good point, but are using their numbers to pressure a company with ideology to change their actions and to deplatform people and it's really easy to just expand that out the fear is that maybe this guy does deserve to be kicked out maybe his morals are genuinely bad enough but once we've set that precedent it's easier and easier to expand that to just everyone who disagrees with the party line who's yeah. the guy who directed um the guardians of the galaxy james gunn that's literally Ow. what happened to james yeah. gunn and well, he apologized two years earlier that's the most infuriating part right. he actually publicly apologized for that but it wasn't enough james gunn thing was different he, w- he was fired he wasn't said you can never direct again we're 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 taking away your director's license, right? Well, I mean, it's nice um, that there's more than one employer in the in right. that industry. So, so there, there isn't more than one pa- uh, Patreon. Okay, so I, I see the point you're making. I think... Be, like, but that's besides and, the point. You thought it was unjust that he was fired, right? Well, to David's point, the the whole, like, they didn't... they First, they went after the Jew-hating neo-Nazis, and I didn't speak up because I'm not Jew-hating neo-Nazi. Then they came after, you know... So, like, I, I'm i familiar with the, with the line of reasoning, and I, I think it's... Maybe is it a slippery just, slope fallacy to say, like, then they're going to go after everyone else? Well, maybe it's not it's a slippery anecdotal. slope, it's actually happening. Yeah, like, I've seen it. I think it's kind of what happened to Jordan Peterson. Like, I think he started very sensibly, but he made one or two positions that made him not socially acceptable. <laughs> Transgender and, lobsters or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and what ended up happening is, because he was being, he became so polarizing, the only people who would accept him and talk to him was the right. And you can watch him become more right-wing over the year because he has had no one else to communicate with. By ostracizing him, you just radicalized him even further. That's my fear with deplatforming people. You're just going to keep pushing them to more and more extremes. Do you think Sargon of Akkad or his followers are going to become more reasonable or more inclined to the liberal viewpoints that the end goal of the Patreon company? Or are they just going to become more pissed off? I like that line of reasoning because it's it's sort of completely separate from everything that Sarkhan says or does. It's yeah. more just like, what do you think is going to happen? And that's that's an important consequentialist way to look at it. And I, I think it's hard to... I'm sure there's a way to make that example not follow through, right? It's like, if you take away, um, you know, whatever... Uh, like, maybe his followers won't follow him to a new platform, and this will effectively close his channel. But I don't think all of his followers are going to leave this with a good taste in their mouth about Patreon or the social justice warriors and the mindset that pushed this forward. Even if in the future they are very correct and they should change their mind, this is going to taint it forever. Well, I also think one of the reasons these people are silenced is because the silencing is effective. It makes their their 
the lives of these people harder when uh, they say these things. They're punished for it. Other people see that. You get less of this speech. But I am Donald Trump is president. Right. That's good, I, I, yeah, like, that is yeah. my rebuttal. It doesn't silence it. It well, doesn't I mean, change it. It just pushes it underground. And then when people have the opportunity to vote anonymously, they will let it out. Mm. <laughs> I think I was going to make the I was going to say the exact same sentence for a totally different point. Actually, <laughs> um, that like I think since we did that episode on punching Nazis, I've I was I'm just not, thinking about that. I'm not I'm not more in favor of punching Nazis necessarily. But I am f- I'm in favor of taking them off of Patreon or, uh, you know, not letting them post YouTube videos or something, right? Well, and I and I get. Do you think that Sargon's a Nazi? No, that's not the point. I'm I'm, I'm making I, I didn't mean to equate that. I'm making a, a separate thing, and I think the reason I was thinking of Donald Trump is that like we're in a very reactionary stage now as a society because we have this this admitted child molester. And, well, let me not be super straw manny. He's he's. He used to brag about busting into the, the locker rooms of his child beauty pa- or of his beauty pageants because he's because. Let's not forget cool that he that. was also on the flight logs of the guy who had his own Lolita Island. Yeah, there's uh, also allegations. Of... You were unaware. I no. Oh yeah, I'll send you the information then. But oh, uh, a few years ago, there was some creepy millionaire who they arrested for having a private plane that he would take people to his own Lolita Island, and if you look. Uh, Donald Trump's name is on that list of people who are on the flight logs, as is uh, Bill Clinton, interestingly enough. But everything is corrupt and terrible. We can talk about that later. Wow. <laughs> I think I brought I brought up Trump because like it's it's a it changed the pulse of society like mm-hmm. a lot. Like it would be one thing, you know, Clinton had to at least go up there and pay face values, like being a good person. And, you know, he couldn't get up there and say, quote, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and I wouldn't lose a single supporter and be totally right about that. Right. Right. If Bill Clinton did shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, people would have stopped voting for him. He at least had to hide it when he raped someone. But I totally. Yes. Didn't he? All right. I think I'm not sure what the litany of Bill Clinton's sex crimes were compared to Donald Trump's, but I'm pretty sure Clinton wasn't wasn't trailing 16 odd allegations before he became president. Um, you know, the, the level of, of, yeah, that kind of thing used to be a deal breaker. It used to be a deal breaker. And now again, doing it 15 times isn't right. Bragging about it isn't, um, you know, so that's where people are like reactionary too. And I get, maybe I don't, I'm, I'm not a, I don't like the label social justice warrior. Like, so that, that makes it sound like I'm, I'm a sympathizer. I'm not. The tactics are disgusting. The, um, witch hunts essentially. Yeah. And you know, um, and, and they can be just as bad. They do doxing of people that they don't like. Um, you know, I've seen, I couldn't pull up an example cause it was a couple years ago, but you know, where they, they're mad at somebody. So like they sent them pictures of like their kids leaving school, but and you're, it's like, whoa. we know, oh, we know where your kids, that, yeah. we know where your kids are and all that. So like, but you're okay with it in this one case. Well, no, what I'm saying is that I'm more sympathetic to their, to their, to, to the steel man version of their goals. And like I, I'm sympathetic to their to their motivations. Like things things are kind of fucked well, right now. I'm absolutely in and favor so, of their goals. I so, am I am in favor of social justice too. It's their tactics that I have issue with. Yeah, and so I think the whole I don't know I I I didn't like the idea. I guess people could do whatever they want with their money and stuff. But like if you know somebody owns does somebody own Patreon? Is it pro- publicly traded? I don't think it really matters. Like the point is is like if somebody using using a service that I made or that I that I helped that I co-owned or something, you know, if we ran a blog on our website or something and guest contributors could post things and uh, it turned out that one contributor would say fairly inflammatory things on our blog and then, you know, probably the most inflammatory person on our blog just to make the example easy, but not, you know, full out, you know, batshit crazy, but then they did batshit crazy stuff on their own time. 
and they frequently linked to their, you know, they were super prestigious and they like, oh, well, look, I post on the Bayesian Conspiracies website all the time. Look at how cool I am. Um, but they would go off and say terrible things. You know, the Sandy Hook parents are, are actors and, you know, all this and that. I think it'd be fine to say, you know what? Sorry, we don't want you posting on our blog anymore. You kind of suck. Yeah. So like, you're, but don't you think it's fair to give them a warning first and be like, hey, we would appreciate it if you're not going to link to us. Like, we'll be fine if you're posting, but please don't link to us if you're going to say these things. Like, the idea is not that there should not be a line somewhere. I agree with you that there definitely should be a line. And even Patreon has the right to draw a line and say, we don't want to support this. The issue is the method in which they executed. They gave no warning. They did not communicate. And they essentially succumbed to the mob. And the worst thing is if they back down and switch, now they're sending an even worse message that's going to encourage even more crazy people like Sargon of Akkad. Yeah. Like they've put themselves in the worst position by doing this. It was a dumb execution. Yeah. And I I think that the manner in which it was kicked off is is related, but a separate issue from just the idea of like, should he be allowed to use Patreon? Can I make a counterpoint? Mm -hmm. Craigslist. Like Craigslist is famous for not really judging or giving any fucks. They just put up your ad and that's it. But they just got rid of their, like... They uh, did get rid of their adults because they were required to by law. Yeah. Uh, they got rid of their what? Their adult section? Their adult section, yeah. That's their prostitution section? Essentially. Basically, okay. yeah. But Craigslist just, you know, we're a platform. Put your ads up. We don't vet. We don't do anything. I mean, they would... If it was actual stuff like uh, exploiting children, that would get taken down. Yeah, like guns for sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But for the most part, they're like, you can put whatever you want on there and... I respect that. I don't. I would not respect Craigslist nearly as much if they were like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're too Christian. You can't sell your Bible paraphernalia here." Or, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're too rationalist. You can't advertise your blog here." You know. I think. I think Craigslist made a never made pretensions about being like a good company, like a morally grounded company. Like they were, did the, the Patreon? Thing is, I, don't, I was about I, to I, say. I don't, I don't, <laughs> do they call themselves the Christian? No, company? no. I, I don't mean that, but I know that like Craigslist is famous for people selling people stolen shit. Okay. So like I break into your house, sell, steal your TV, and put it up on Craigslist that night, and like Craigslist doesn't care. It's like we're we're just we're just facilitating the deal. It's not right. our problem where the stuff came from. Is Craigslist supposed and to look into every single TV that's put on their website? No, but I think it would be cool if they found somebody who was constantly selling stolen stuff that they're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna ban your account. Okay. Okay. So uh, let me like point out something. So they did ban the prostitution section, right? Mm -hmm. They also got rid of that from Backpage, which was another big website that had a similar function. Mm -hmm. And if you ask sex workers, their lives are much worse now. Yeah. They're much harder. They're much more dangerous. They're being pushed back out onto the streets and having and, to rely on pimps. And I bet you if they uh, tried to start monitoring who was selling stolen stuff online on Craigslist, what you would end up creating is either another website or it would go back to the old way where people would just try to fence it in person. And that's probably a lot more dangerous and risky and it would probably have more violence. Like it's by banning people selling stolen stuff on your website you have not stopped stealing and i don't think it would i don't think it would stop the person who was willing to steal in the first place you've just made the entire process of stealing and selling more risky and more dangerous along the whole way well not just that craigslist isn't a police department they True. don't have investigators that's the police's job if you ask craigslist to start policing that thing they're going to do the same thing that they, uh, every single website has had to do, do since FOSTA SESTA got passed. Mm -hmm. They're just like, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to sell any TVs on our site at all. Since what got passed? FOSTA SESTA? It's the, the sex worker. Yeah, uh, it's law. the big sex worker bill that fucked over all the sex workers in America, basically. And w w it is the reason that. Pro it is um, speculated that's one of the reasons that Tumblr got rid of all the porn stuff. It's mm -hmm. just like. 
if one person out there is using Tumblr to uh, to facilitate sex work, then we're fucked. And so just outright ban on it entirely. Yeah, well, is... I think I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think, uh, I think Tumblr's thing was that they've been having people. Miners have been posting sex videos themselves for since the inception of Tumblr. Right. And they've gotten a handful of slaps on the wrist. And I think finally, whatever happened, they're like, you guys need to get this shit under control or your guys are going to all go to jail or yeah. whatever. Right. So they're like, all right, cool. Ban hammer. Super hard. Right. The, um, the entire law is fucked. It's basically well, doing that to the entire Internet. Well, I don't know. I guess I need to look at this law. I don't know anything about it. I just know that I think Tumblr's thing was specifically about minors posting pornography of themselves. Um, what I'd heard about Tumblr was that advertisers weren't comfortable with putting their content along with the porn. And I mean, I, that, not that that was like the major, uh, you know, driving force behind it, but that was a major consideration. I thought it was specifically underage porn. Like porn sites do great. You know, uh, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Pornhub can support advertising on a few risque tumblers. Yeah, but they don't get like tied advertising. That's true. <laughs> they, uh, the, their their supply of advertisers is very yeah, limited. There were mainstream advertisers that wanted to. Yeah, I mean, Tumblr has a it was a massive platform, and it had you know, I guess it continues to a huge audience. But there was like too much uh, ratio of weirdness to you know tied ads. Mm. So tied, yeah. you know, and, and other um, mainstream advertisers were threatening to pull their stuff off. Then that the I'm sure the Tumblr thing is more complicated than I summarized it for. Because you're right. Like if if tumblr's main revenue comes from people putting ads on it and normal normal companies like you know tide i like yeah you don't pay to use tumblr exactly so um they're they're kind of at the whims or at the mercies of their advertisers if their advertisers are all saying we're pulling out unless you guys make these changes they're like well i guess we're gonna make these changes that brings up a related thing what i know that there's been a handful of people like tv personalities who will go on tv and say something insane or racist or whatever and then their their advertisers are pulling um what are your thoughts on that? That is, well, my thoughts on that is the same thoughts of the Alec Jones things from earlier, where if they do something outrageous enough that people aren't willing to watch them and advertisers aren't willing to support them, that that is how this thing is supposed to work. Those are two separate things, though. People are still wanting to watch Alex Jones, but advertisers are unwilling to put their name behind him. Well, I'd like is, to point out Alex that Jones... Alex Jones now makes more money than ever. Right, I was going to say, if Alex Jones is willing to work for free, then whatever. But uh, these companies like CNN or whoever it was that fired their people aren't willing to take that hit, and so they let their people go. I mean, that, that is kind of the market speaking. But are like the advertisers doing something wrong by saying we're not going to give you our support anymore? Because like, are they, are they dragons in this case, or are they people? Go ahead. Two things. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and you had something to say. I actually didn't want to hear. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Oh, wait, well, wait. You said... Oh, wait, you get back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, then, I, I don't know. What I was going to say about advertisers is that they are not people. Um, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, the whole, it's the scale argument again. The, yeah, but, but like, if I'm, if I'm tied, if I'm Tide's right. advertising chairperson... They don't want to be tarred by yeah, I, yeah, being I, associated I with that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think that it's, as the person representing Tide to the public, it's totally within my, my rights, and it's my responsibility to say, oh, I'm not going to support alex jones mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so <laughs> all right we definitely need to put a gif and the notes here of all of those many awesome ones where it's like yep it's a tide ad um, <laughs> <laughs> um i'll find a good one uh there's a ton of like high quality gifs where they'll like subtitle for something else and they'll pan away to the fence with the guy for stranger things and be like yep it's a tide ad like from the super bowl okay tide commercial anyway i have no idea what you're talking about oh they're they're wonderful okay um here's so yeah my my thing on my thing with that is that if I if I was tied, and uh, you know whatever well, it could even be retroactive, you know fuck it. Well, geez, now I'm sounding like somebody who's supporting kicking out James Gunn. The mm -hmm. difference with James Gunn is that he didn't actually do anything wrong. Okay. Where is where 
if it had come out that James Gunn had raped 30 people in 2010, then, like, cool, fire him, kick his ass, whatever. Did um, – uh, No, no, I'm, I'm, I, I run straight to the reducto ad absurdum to, yeah, make, yeah, to yeah. Make, make sure that my points right, no. have, have a grounding somewhere. I agree with you so, here, but I don't think either Sargon or that lady that got fired from CNN raped 30 people. No, they didn't. That's not, I, okay. I wasn't saying that. What I was, what I was doing was establishing – Welcome back. <laughs> I went to the bathroom for less than a minute. <laughs> what, what I was saying is that there is a ground where I would be – where I would say, okay, cool. I'm okay kicking somebody out for something they did retroactively. Yeah, I, I, I established the baseline at somewhere absurd. Not not absurd that it's uh, at somewhere extreme. I I am going to say that the difference in that case is that a the CNN CNN is not a platform in the same sense that YouTube or Patreon is. Allow me to quickly explain um, where I'm coming from ideologically here. I am an ancient man now. <laughs> I saw the internet born, <laughs> and I remember at the time when it was internet was supposed to be the thing that freed us from the corporate overlords. Like there's, you can only get your book published through major publishers, right? Oh, or you can put it up on the internet and anyone can see it. You can only get your movie produced through these few Hollywood elite cartels. Or now you can just put it up on the internet and anyone can see it. It was this great democratizing force. And YouTube for a long time was that. Anyone could put a video on YouTube. YouTube didn't care. They didn't vet videos. You just put it up there and anyone could see it. And if your shit was good, people would watch it. People would tell their friends. People would like, check out this hilarious thing that I saw on YouTube. And it would get eyeballs. And the major media corporations, the normal routes that censor people... The governments had nothing to do with it. And now YouTube and all those things are like, oh, we're not actually platforms. We are part of the system. If you do not tow the corporate line, we are silencing you. And fuck all of that is my opinion. Your, your, your lofty goals of the internet never being capitalized were, was never going to happen. No, I know. This is, this is my, this is my uh, old idealist who's you know been ground down by reality. I'd rant. also like to point out something. We all hated it when YouTube included ads, but the money they generated from that, they started being able to give back to the video producers for the first time. So yeah, for a long time, you could be independent and put videos on YouTube, but unless you were able to leverage that in some way, YouTube was not enough to sustain yourself. You now that is not true. Like You actually have people who survive on YouTube. The corporatization of it made it more viable for actually more people to speak their mind freely and to communicate. Like I think that it's... Not as bad as it looks at the moment to have corporatized the internet, but it is annoying. It also gave a lot of headway for some really unsavory characters to have uh, what what I had the the phrase some uh, bad motivations is the bad way of putting it. I had a better way of putting it. Um, Perverse incentives. Thank you. Yes, mind reader. High five. I was literally yeah. thinking ill-gotten gains. <laughs> <laughs> so the per- perverse incentives to get views at all costs, and then you right. get those unsavory characters who are who's that who's that guy who went through that. The, the Logan forest. something Logan? Logan Paul yeah yeah I had a friend over a few weeks ago and we were talking all about him and apparently has a brother and they yeah like, Jake Paul then they do all kinds of weird shit and like that so the capitalization of YouTube also did that yeah well um, they're total so, douchebags right but that doesn't mean that they should be kicked off of YouTube no 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 I'm that that like, I'm, make, I'm, make, I'm making I'm making a lighter point here which is saying that by by doing by being able to give back give back to content creators on YouTube, it also incentivized people to be really gross to do whatever it took to get YouTube views. I don't know if that was even the corporatization of YouTube. I think it's also just the attention. Yeah, um, like if someone wants to do something so outrageous that advertisers would, won't be associated with it, fine, demonetize their video, but leave it up there. Well, I think in this case, I was thinking of like it it 
since their bottom line is number of views, they'll do whatever it takes to do that, even if it's like freaking out little kids and pretending to get murdered with a shotgun and stuff. Yeah, I think we're talking about something else at this point, though. We are. I was just, yeah, I was responding to the the corporatization of YouTube. So the... I'm just not okay giving the powers of censorship to these corporate conglomerations. I think that it's fine to give them censorship powers, but they need to be upfront and have a decent process that people can fight against. Like, Sargon of Akkad has no, like, reckon pen, like, no way to reconcile with PayPal and uh, Patreon. He can't go up to them and say, hey, what can I do to change my yeah. channel to bring it back? They just destroyed him. And that's not court. fair. <laughs> that's, that's my boundary. I'm not against them having a line. I'm not even against them banning people. But if they're not going to do it in an ethical, above board, and transparent way... It's too risky. It's way too risky. There's way too much potential that right now the people in charge of those companies and the constituency they're aiming towards is very liberal and has really good ideas. But that's not guaranteed to be true forever. Yeah, the culture could easily change. Yeah, and then then maybe you are – you've created a precedent where you're allowed to discriminate now based on the majority not liking what you say. Yeah, like Sargon can't like go to court and fight his traffic ticket in this case. Right. It's like a almost a whole different rule of law is being used in both of these cases. That's that's a very good point. Yeah, it's not actually fair. The law would have been more reasonable to him. I I do appreciate your guys's moderate uh, viewpoint on this. I still strongly disagree. I'm sticking with my extremist. They should not have any powers of censorship. But I realize you guys will probably win in the end. Well, so I, I think wh- I'm agreeing with you. What what if they had terms of service? That said, you can use our website, but you can never use the N word in a in any context outside of a historical context. And if you so, if you do that, you can do whatever. It's kind of like saying I'd be fine with that. I think that's perfectly reasonable as long as they're upfront. If they're and upfront clear about, about it, it, and it's not in their thirty-six hour long document. Yeah. Um, but you know, if there's like a if there's a list of of no nos at the top of their terms of service, and said you can't use the N word, you can't post pictures of minors in technically legal but obviously not cool whatever like you know whatever borderline child porn or something um I'm trying to think of other things Soft that, part child porn. <laughs> huh? Aww, yeah geez. that's so sad <laughs> so i'm trying to think of other things that like are technically not illegal but like we're like we can say as a company you can do whatever you want except for these things would that have been all right or would you say no no, no. if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be as big as patreon you have to allow anyone to come on there post softcore child porn and use the n-word with abandon yeah (laughs) as long as you're willing i I like it that you're willing to die on this hill i i am no that's totally cool i I mean the the softcore child porn you're getting into again areas where i have moral qualms with the actual thing like I, i i again also not good with people calling for violence on youtube but uh in general no they i not good with there being censorship powers i understand you know okay you just can't say the n-word but then we just have seven new dirty words sure um going back to tumblr for a minute too there's kind of a sense in which this goes back to the whole banned item store discussion and i guess i'm pulling Mm. away from the moderation a bit but um whether it was like the fosta sesta thing trying to keep uh, people from using tumblr for prostitution or whether it was the advertisers one of the um negative externalities about them banning all of the porn sites was that i know there were a bunch of fan artists and uh, fanfic writers who also got banned because they were drawing like uh, Sherlock and Watson <laughs> having sex or whatever, you know, or like they had one picture with titties in it at one point. But like some of these people actually, like, they made their livelihood off of commissions and they got banned over things that weren't even like the target. Yeah, and certainly the execution there 
they hit that's why i think that it was largely some huge push wh- whether it was their um yeah it definitely was it, yeah because they, they they hit back really really hard and they're like no we're not even going to analyze stuff we're going to just run some some image search software on every picture on the website and ban everything that flags anything without looking at it yeah a bunch of people uh, were panicking beforehand too and they're like i don't even know what to delete from my blog before they do the purge yeah. Some people got hit and they didn't even understand why. <laughs> they didn't even have a blog that had anything pornographic on it. They might have reblogged something that someone else at one point. Like, it's just a mess. I mean, on the one hand, this is also a a reminder that as long as you are running on somebody else's uh, software, someone else's thing, you're never safe. And everyone should have their own blog whenever possible. But Yeah, but I'm, that's awful. I know. I know that's not realistic. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I've never bothered with tumblr or any of those i'm like nope just gonna get my own website pay the money you know because i know i can always keep it up unless like the government actually comes and shut me down but again that's not necessarily true either if 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 people have already gotten patreon and and youtube and paypal and everything on their side who are they going to go to next they're going to be like okay isps we see that you're still allowing this person's content through through the internet i okay web hosting service we see that you're still hosting this guys i mean even if I were to buy my own server that I have up 24 times, I still got to connect to the internet through wires somewhere, some sort of service provider. And they can just contact Comcast and be like, you're letting this guy's data through. Don't you know he's a Nazi? Well, that's why I'm pro net neutrality. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm just going to jump in and say this. I'm Honestly, I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards Enias's side, but it comes down to a fear of the end results. Like I have very little moral positions about this, honestly, but like I said, I'm worried that this is just going to create a new system where it'll be easy for worse people to funnel money in even more hidden ways, because that's what is incentivizing right now. And that's way worse in my opinion than anything Sargon could have said. I do like how you're very easily and, uh, it seems just able to take the long view and say, look at what this is going to do. Forget what you guys, you know, forget the reasons you're doing and all that. Just like, look at what will probably happen. That's, I think, a valuable thing to look at. And I didn't even think of those considerations before you mentioned Yeah, I'm terrified of what this is going to create in the next year. Because I think what you're going to see is a Patreon alternative at the end of the year. And I guarantee you it's going to be used by a large number of people who would never dare go on Patreon because it would have brought them too much scrutiny. But now that they have a subtle way to funnel money that cannot be hacked, even if it was created for a good reason, it's going to end up helping neo-Nazis and alt-right people. I do think I would like to be on this Patreon whatever no you wouldn't what i was just gonna say is it's gonna make it harder to make patreon alternatives because of the whole if you create something that's like we're anti-witch hunts all the witches are gonna go there that's like what you were just saying david yeah pretty (laughs) much but at the same time the reason the witches are going there is because it protects everyone including witches so you would actually probably be i mean more secure financially like it would be more difficult on this future future platform to demonetize you but you would have to share that space with really terrible humans. Well, I mean, if literally everyone is on two platforms, then if one platform gets rid of them, yeah, <laughs> the, you know, the, there's less incentive for the one platform to do that anyway because they aren't hurting that thing as much. They, they can still survive. I, I would like everyone to be on two platforms just so that they aren't, you know, putting all this power in one corporation's hands. I should point out that the reason that Sam Harris left Patreon wasn't out of solidarity with anything Carl Benjamin said or did or with um, 
any sort of endorsement or, or even protest. It was more just like your thing of like, yeah. you know, in the event that Patreon wants to, you know, swing their band hammer a little harder, I don't want to take the risk. So I'm going to just be all fully self-sufficient. Right. Um, Same reason I have my own blog. You just yeah. you don't want to be reliant on other people to that extent. Yeah, the thing is now all of us, Sam Harris's enemies, can kind of point at him leaving and say, aha, we knew he was a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Well, fuck them. They were going to say that anyway. <laughs> I they have been saying that. Yeah. And, yeah, honestly, I mean, you mentioned that Jordan Peterson's gotten more annoying in the last year. And I know that, I think now, I don't know a lot about him. I get the impression that he was never ready for, like, the level of attention he got. And I agree sec- with that the sec- 100%. The he second he got the spotlight, expected. he's just like, oh, I need to keep the light on me and keep saying crazy shit. And now he's, like, full climate change denial. And Yeah, uh, I read I read 12 Wolves for Life, and it's got none of that, uh, the stuff that you see him, like, blogging about now with people talking yeah, about he, him. To, it it's was... a great book. And I honestly, <laughs> I will still say this to this day. If you look at his old YouTube videos, his lectures as a teacher, he seems like a brilliant professor of psychology and a guy with a lot of insight. Listen to him about psychology and not politics or <laughs> meteorology. <laughs> or maybe even mythology. That's sort of where I'm at with Sam Harris now is like he had a lot of fun stuff to say on philosophy and like really again, I'm I think this is gonna be a running theme until he's out of office. Literally everything got worse when Donald Trump became president and like including his podcast and everything Sam Harris has been talking about for the last two years. It's a lot less of like fun conversations on, you know, cosmology or physics or AI or whatever, and it's more just like, Oh my god, let's keep you know, if we, we have to edit out the sounds of us breaking each other's arms, jerking ourselves off about, you know, how much... <laughs> l- let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Please I, don't. No, that was good. <laughs> this, this was a r- joke from Rick and Morty, uh, or bastardized version of it. Point is, like, now it's just all this, you know, intellectual dark web self-masturbation stuff, and, like, look, at, we're so victimized, guys, because, you know, whenever I say that black people are in- unintelligent, I get sh- kicked back on Twitter. Look at us. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, it's devolved into culture wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's super annoying. And, like, you know, his... I, they're even talking about. Um, I heard about this. Heard about this in the Very Bad Wizards, like a an anonymous peer reviewed journal, mm-hmm. um, where people can go out there and publish all of their bull. You know, they're possibly bullshit, but possibly you know just politically incorrect findings, um, and hide their identity because they're so afraid of the fallout. I I do like how. And again, I'm not in academia. Maybe things are worse uh, for academics than I thought. You know, should uh, there be a place to publish scientific findings that you don't think you can because you would get crap for it i think that's that's what the thing is for all right um but i don't i guess i don't know again a lot how about how the internet academics work i would like to think that if they're solid science we know what you're saying people will publish it you know they don't like it but maybe that's not the case oh god no so all right um i mean academia has more backbiting in politics than most places well i guess my my rosy-eyed view of science would have been <laughs> that you know the science speaks for itself i um, mean that's pretty much what happened to that guy who got fired from google i don't remember his name now right right but like i read the paper he wrote and i don't think it was tactful i don't think it was the phrasing was unfortunate yes but none of the data he pointed out was wrong he literally and the worst part the thing that made it most infuriating is at the end he's like okay these are the reasons i think there are not enough women in tech here are my suggestions to fix it so even if you thought he did everything wrong at the end of his article he legitimately was trying to fix it but because it was not politically correct, he got screwed for it. And that was not even like – that was an internal memo within Google. Right. It would be so much more terrifying to try to do that on a public platform and publish it. And like that's think people, so scary. I think people have a right to be wrong. Like I don't even mm-hmm. know that he was right. He very well may have been absolutely wrong with what he wrote in yeah. the memo. But you have a right to be wrong about something. And not be considered a bad person for having said it. 
Well, yeah, not be kicked out and made a pariah. Did you get a chance to say the thing that you were waiting to say a few minutes ago? I know it's been a while. Um, I think I forget what it was. Um, <laughs> if it's important, it'll spring yeah. back to mind. I'm just actually thinking of how relevant this all is to the um, less wrong posts, and also that we've been talking about this for a very long time. We're starting to just talk in loops. It'll yeah. All right. Shall we move on? Yes, but I'll move on. You have final thing to say. My final thoughts on this is that I understand much better your position. I think I understood it pretty well before. And I think with the combined might of, of Inyash, David, and Jess, I think I've moved more towards the idea that banning him was a bad idea uh, or more towards that position. I think I still like the idea, like, if it was if it was my website, if I owned PayPal, yeah. I would say, no, I'm not going to let you use it. You fucking suck. I think I stand by that. But I do see the point that, like, this isn't you, Stephen, the person, or even, you know, John PayPal or John Patreon and their, their personal thing. This is a gigantic company. And for a lot of people, it's the only way they get stuff coming in and out. And I, I, I think I see where you're coming from. But as far as uh, saying the bad thing or maybe being wrong in public, being okay, uh, Louis C.K. was back in the news this week. Oh, really? oh, God, I heard about this. What happened? He, he's been doing a bit of stand-up, um, and he, he made a joke. I, I didn't read the full joke, and I don't know if there's a video of it or not. But it made, it made the – if you're familiar with Louis C.K.'s comedy, he, he makes like a lot of like jokey arguments and has fun. And he does it in a way that is often like – insensitive so the joke that he made this week was um that being a kid who went to a school where a school shooting happened doesn't make you interesting and that you know millennials are boring or something i forget the full context <laughs> but it was it was it a little too close to home it was, it was inflammatory in the sense that you know he's saying like look just being involved in a school shooting doesn't make you interesting mm-hmm. so the kickback was being super insensitive to that and if i'm missing an important piece let me know i don't think i am i think that was the thing it was a really it was a mean joke but so my thoughts on that is that it's a mean joke, perfectly consistent with Louis C.K.'s brand of humor. You know, he's he's made mean jokes in the past, but this isn't even uh, a a target. He didn't he didn't, put, he didn't name a name and say you're boring, right? I think he was just saying that like, look, having something scary and interesting happening near you doesn't make you interesting. Um, so my my I heard about this yesterday, and my thought was like, hmm, because I could tell what the person who told me this wanted to hear was like, isn't he a fucking shithead? And I'm like, well. If he wasn't already on such thin ice for where he's at... That joke would have been perfectly fine in a routine of his three years ago before this drama came out. People would have... Some people would have been unhappy still, but it would not have, like, stuck out like a sore thumb the way everyone is, like, looking at him right now. I totally... That was exactly what I had said. I mean, that's basically a Sarah Silverman joke. She could deliver the exact same joke because her character is also, like, a horrible person. That is actually a very good point to make. And... I think that the my thinking was just that like come on Louis you've been an entertainer for so long you know what the public perception is right now you got to ease back into this if you're going to get back in at all if you start making jokes surrounding dead kids um, you know not not hypothetical dead kids like he had one joke about you know having uh, plastic bags where you could put uh, you know dead bodies in every three feet of America because you know people should be allowed to kill people or something whatever it was <laughs> oh murder should be illegal <laughs> that was the bit uh-uh. um, and then yeah we'd have you know public ways of disposing of the bodies because people are doing it all the time just like um, acid baths on the street <laughs> instead of trash cans <laughs> it, it, it was plastic bags oh yeah. okay uh, but uh so that joke that joke was funny i don't think it stood out that much you know even though it, he, he probably talked about dead kids in that joke um in this he's talking about people who he's talking tangentially to people who actually exist yeah a specific uh, inflammatory cultural phenomenon and you know it yeah at least it wasn't uh it was inflammatory, but th- I guess what I was, I, I was thinking what David had said, that like three years ago, this would have been a, a Louis C.K. joke that we could all 
laugh at or say, oh, man, you're being kind of an asshole and just roll our eyes like, well, I guess that's Louie. But now it's like, dude, come on, you got to you got to take it easy. Um, anyway, that was that was my Louis C.K. bit. We have a section on the notes called uh, Stevens. What was it? Stevens pot. Stir Stevens pot or something. Yes. St- Stevens. Uh, I don't stir think that's the how pot. it was phrased. I kind of <laughs> <laughs> stir Stevens pot. I like it better mm. this way. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm entering an escape hatch with you. Enter the Steven pot quickly. <laughs> um, how else will we get to Mars? Let's see. Side topics slash uh, to indulge Steven slash stir the pot is what it was. Okay. Um, and uh, actually, now that I scrolled to that in our notes, I'm going to just plug really quickly. I heard about and then listened to episode 45 of Very Bad Wizards on gender differences, whereby the philosopher is, <laughs> in my words, whereby the philosopher, I forget which one is the philosopher and which one's the psychologist. The philosopher was very obviously wrong and completely missing the point the entire fucking time. And the psychologist was tr- was being as patient with him for as long as possible before he's like, again, I forget which one's the philosopher, but he was like, no, man, point to me a study where like, you know, um, you know, girls who are forced to play certain toys, adopt certain ideas, and then, you know, are pushed out of whatever job market or something. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Listen, you're being an asshole, dude. This, this is the shit like, you know, that we, that we, we've been doing in psychology for 50 years. He's like, yeah, but my daughter, you know, says that whatever. He's like, yeah, but me, we've been doing studies on, on populations for 50 years, man. So it was, it was a lot of fun to listen to. And I think if I had to guess that whatever one of the philosophers positions have evolved a lot since then. Um, but I do encourage anybody who's down for some, it's not even like outrage inducing because there's somebody level headed there. I don't listen to your suggestions anymore ever since I listened to the Massimo Puglisi, uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky debate Mm -hmm. because that was infuriating. Really? (laughs) Dude, I like Massimo and I'm a stoic myself and I just wanted to like strangle him the whole time. He was was the worst, wasn't he? (laughs) And I was like, this is not that difficult. Like you're way smarter than me. You have a PhD. Why are you not getting this? But but it's at least different there than watching Massimo give an hour long lecture whereby he's wrong the entire time and uninterrupted, right? I guess. That's true. So at least... With that, with the Massimo versus uh, Eliezer debate and with the uh, Tamler versus uh, David, is that their first names? Yeah. Uh, at least they're there arguing and there's somebody there saying all the shit to the wrong one that you want to say anyway. So at least it's validating that way. Yeah, that kind of just reminds me of what we were talking about, like I, why I don't like to listen to debates anymore because I still don't want to hear the 50% of the conversation where someone is just giving the same tired argument. <laughs> Luckily, this isn't that bad. And, you know, take you know, listen, so like I said, the, the, the subject was basically... Uh, they, they start with um, a paper that they both kind of disagree with and then they get onto the absurd with it that argued that uh, you should have like good toy diets for your children that let them play with, like that's the hard part that they disagreed on like should they be forced to play with you know guy toys if they're a girl or girl toys if they're a guy like the same way that you force a kid to eat vegetables to have a balanced good diet good luck forcing uh, a child to play with certain toys I mean I think that those people do. don't understand what the word play means because <laughs> right. literally one of the definitions of play on any person with psychology tell you is if someone's trying to force you to play you cannot play right it is not play then you are just making your children pick up dolls (laughs) and put them back down in front of you to make you feel good yeah i was given a lot of barbie dolls and uh of course i like shaved their heads and painted them and (laughs) (laughs) made them into centaurs and stuff i mean like you know because they're gonna do what they're gonna do they're gonna be who they're gonna be (laughs) So, so you can get on board with the two of them at that point then they get on to like basically whether or not like the incentives that kids have to have certain toys and then how that affects them growing up. Um, it was a fun episode. That was my indulging 
okay. uh, stir the pot suggestions. So that was episode 45 of the Very Bad Wizards, and I forget the name of the episode, but number 45. Excellent. Was this a recent episode? No, no. it was like two years ago. Okay, least. so yeah, so you were saying someone have, might have changed their opinions by now. Well, that's yeah, kind of interesting. He definitely has, because the, one of the more recent ones, he was arguing, it's whichever one Tangler. whose mom is uh, Christina uh, Hoff Summers or whatever, what's her name? Or not Christina, shit. The one that he was arguing with in that episode a few episodes ago? Uh, he's arguing with his mo- with his stepmom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's her name? I, I don't her name. remember her name, but that's Tamler. She she's the intellectual dark web academic. Ah, um, okay. And uh, or she's an academic in the intellectual dark web. She's she's one of the pictures in that that essay that we linked to that had the pictures of people taken under street lights and oh, stuff. Okay. She she's on that. Um. So yeah, he's arguing with her, basically making a lot of the reverse arguments that he made in this episode. So, okay. A couple years later, he's evolved quite a bit. So, um, at least there's that. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to listen to a debate where someone who was giving the same tired arguments actually changed their mind, like partway through or kind of... Well, you never change your mind in the middle of a debate. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's happened a to me event. once you or twice. It. It's happened to me once or twice, but I think that might be a side effect of rationalist training and trying to accept a good argument as quickly as possible. Because well, I've, I've never like, seen anyone else do it. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. It could happen in a personal debate, the... but not like anything public. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Is this public? Because I changed my mind a little bit on the Patreon stuff with you guys. So. I, I would consider this basically public. Right. I, I don't think so, because the reason... It is going to be put out for the public, yeah. but the reason you don't back down in public debates is because of the pressure you of the audience watching you i think that's a real psychological factor i think it's also because in those sorts of debates there's two sides that are going at it and we were just kind of like discussing something and like it's not like any of the four of us came in with exactly the same views and wanting to gang up on anyone else so that's different well none of that characterizes the very bad wizards episode either that's good um yeah so do you guys want to talk about the two articles we had from less wrong today yes we do let's do it all right on to the less wrong post the first one was the scales of justice the notebook of rationality and apropos to what we were just talking about uh in this eliezer points out that everyone in an audience at a debate keeps a mental running count of how many points each speaker scores against the others at the end of the debate the speaker who has scored the most points is obviously the winner so everything he says must be true and everything the loser says must be wrong which is probably a little bit of an overreaction or overstatement, but... I think it's... He, he goes on to defend that in the specific context that, context that he's talking about. Yeah. Um, he uses the example of, like, a nuclear reactor. Uh, so he says, all right, well, if you go... In fact, this was a real study that they did, which may or may not have replicated, who knows, but right. something like this is probably definitely true, where... Um, what's the name of the effect? Where... Uh, it's not the horns effect, Yeah, I was going to say halo and horns, but I think that has more to do with people. That's the no, other effect Dunning I know. Well, the idea that if you go to somebody and say, hey, we've got a new um, nuclear reactor prototype that's more likely to melt down, it's like a point against the reactor. But if you say, hey, it produces less waste, that's a point for it. And yet, if you tell somebody, hey, we've got one that uh, um, produces less waste, they'll also guess that it's also less likely to melt down. Yeah. Which those two facts are logically distinct. Yeah. And so they assume that if something's good about it, well, then it has to have all good traits. If something's bad about it, if I tell you, hey, man, this thing melts down more often, oh, well, then it probably produces more waste, too, huh? Yeah. And so the point is that he's saying that people view things that way naturally. Yeah. That, that he, he thinks, he says people would view these as two facts opposing each other, where in fact they're not opposing each other at all. They're just two different facts. They're descriptors of the reality of the nuclear engine in this case, or the nuclear reactor, but they're not like 
judgment calls about whether or not it's good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the primary point of the article, um, I pulled a quote out, was that these two facts can be cited by different sides of the same debate, but they're logically distinct. The facts don't know whose side they're on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took that to mean it's kind of another expansion on the policy debates shouldn't appear one-sided essay. This one says that uh, despite our brain's natural tendency to view arguments or facts as tools or as soldiers, which we could either use for fighting on our side or against our side, facts don't exist to support sides. Facts are just words that we use to describe the physical qualities of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so he uses the the example per the name of the the post, the scales of justice, that Lady Justice carries a set of scales where presumably the facts against and the facts for weigh each side of the scales, whichever one comes down heavier, that's that's the verdict. Um, he, had, you know, so so running with that, he says that not all arguments reduce to mere up or down. Lady Rationality carries a notebook wherein she writes down all the facts that aren't on anyone's side. And I think, yeah, that's maybe a good way to look at certainly like policy debates. Maybe that's not the best, arguably, way to look at crime or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah. he even says in there that like there are certain situations like did John Doe kill John Smith? Like, yeah, there is definitely a scale of justice system there, and we should use it. I think it's – I try to remember this idea, even if I don't remember this exact article, whenever I get riled up and sure I'm correct about something. Because, like, whenever you start to feel sure you're correct about something, it means you're viewing all the facts through a lens, and you should go back and be like, what am I – what facts don't fit in on either side, and where should I check that notebook of rationality and reassess myself? I liked that uh, he also pointed out that there's, you know, it, there's a binary question such as did John Doe kill so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that aren't binary. It's weird that we always have these kind of idea of there being two sides or that this is good or this is bad. I think he said that as like an overall good or a bad feeling about something that colors your judgment on it. That's a good point. Thanks for reminding me. That's the main difference is that here's a proposition for my new nuclear reactor is not did John Doe kill this person, right? And one of those has a yes or no question. The other one's just like, here's my idea. Here's the pros and cons. Well, in the end, you have to decide: are we going to build the reactor or not? Yeah, but but one is like a matter of fact, posi- matter of, of historical or scientific fact or something, right? Mm-hmm. And in that case, there will be pieces of evidence for and against it, just like you'd expect. Whereas, yeah. like evidence in assessing the nuclear reactor, the hypothetical one in this case, it's not so much evidence as it is arguments. But I think what the point that he's making is that people don't see that they don't emotionally feel the difference until it's pointed out. Right. They right. they see them as the same thing. They see arguments against it as being evidence that it's a bad thing i think the point is that like even if you eventually accept that the nuclear reactor should be built you must still accept that there is a greater chance of meltdown and know that whereas or if you make the decision the nuclear reactor should not be built you also have to accept that there will be more nuclear waste now because of that decision and you made the decision you made but don't forget the facts yeah that even when it does come down to a up or down binary you know are we doing the thing or are we not Remember that the facts aren't on a side. They're just what they are. Yeah. And there's something limiting about thinking of something as an up or down, too. I think this example might have actually come from the essay that comes after this, but he talked about cars. Hmm. And he was saying, for example, you know, people get hung up on the idea of our cars good or bad, and then that prevents them from thinking about, well, should we, like, engineer traffic differently? Because what you're trying to do is minimize deaths, not figure out whether cars are good or bad. Hmm. Same thing with the reactor. You could say what we were trying to do is generate X amount of energy with this amount of... So, like, you don't want to silence people from coming up with ideas because you can actually take some of their ideas. Like the road argument, maybe the problem is not that cars are good or bad, but maybe we should change the material that roads are made out of so they have more friction and it would cause less accidents or something. Yeah, or automate uh, traffic. Yeah. Yeah, I think – 
and the next post really ties into this point too but like just another example of not all arguments being up or down you know in some in some metaphorical slash literal sense people who are anti any sort of gun control take that position with the weight of dead children weighing on one side of the scales right um like they're saying yep we're accepting a certain number of dead kids every year because we care enough about because we think that the risk of losing our guns would put us under further tyranny that would be worse. Whatever that would be the best steel man exactly, argument of what, theirs. Exactly, whatever their argument is. Yeah. And to be fair, I think I've spoken out against this before. I think that's a really shitty argument. I think the government has all the nukes and fight fight helicopters and stuff. Like again, they're not going to nuke the population, but like we're not going to win against tanks with our with whatever guns. The we're Vietnamese buy. would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I actually very, very much disagree with you on this one that, because that, I hang out with enough crazy gun nuts in PA that I know that if it came down to it, like, no one's beating a Predator drone. I 100% agree with that. But guerrilla warfare is highly effective and very dangerous. But I we, think if, that you are correct in that that is a facetious argument. It does not actually strike and does not help. Like, And it's also not, I think, yeah. what their motivation motivator is, right? I think that they... Guns are fun to shoot. They really are. They really are, and and it's it's yeah. a it's a skill that when you're good at it, it's very satisfying. Um, the loud noise, the kick in your hands, like it's a fun thing to do. Yeah, that's but, like a, um, arguments or soldiers kind of. Yeah, it is, and it's it's a great example of just people putting up whatever they can. Exactly, putting as as many soldiers as they can, and you know the defense of tyranny is a really strong soldier to put up yeah. in the fight, even if it's not one that they really support. Guns are fun is not like a argument that's going to make you look good. <laughs> totally. Random quick question, just because I'm crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. If we'd had predator drones in Viet- in in the Vietnam War, would we have won? No. I don't think we would have won. Because hmm. like the reason we lost Vietnam is because the Vietnamese were smart enough to start publicizing those losses we had, even though we were beating them significantly. We looked worse, and it was public outcry that defeated Vietnam. It was all psychological, and predator drones would only enhance that. Why do you think that ever since Vietnam, they don't show wars the same graphic level they used to? Yeah. That's when Fair they introduced enough. all the major regulations on the reporting of war. Showing yeah, the bodies of soldiers and stuff, yeah. Kids and, like, small groups of soldiers that were um, operating in stealth, and they had, like, vastly inferior weapons, but uh, a predator drone couldn't find them in the jungle, necessarily. Well, I mean, they probably couldn't even find them. Like, you don't want to drone someone in the city. Or that, yeah. yeah. Well, I, guess uh, <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, you're uh, right. They do all the time. My bad. You don't but, yeah, they couldn't to. find them in the, in the jungle. So on the next essay about regulation, yeah, I actually kind of disagree with him. This next essay is called Blue yeah. or Green on Regulation, and tell us why. So, or at least I disagree with one of the examples he brings up. He talks about how, I forget what he said, I, maybe it was like cars kill 7,000 Americans or something, but he's like the FDA kills fifty to 100,000 Americans by delaying drugs from being approved. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, just a bad point quite frankly, because every time you go on TV, you're always seeing an ad like, did you take this drug 20 years ago and now you have like bunions on your lungs? <laughs> Please contact us for this settlement. Like, I understand the point he's trying to make here and to not fall into the fallacy we just talked about a bit about being like, this is just good or this is just bad. I get what he's saying, but this is not a good example. Like the reason that we delay those things, even if they are drugs that will be future approved, is to try to prevent as many of those long-term problems as possible. I believe his argument is that they are far, far too uh, strict 
and they delay things too long and they make things cost too much. I disagree with him based on the number of drugs that we end up ha finding out have terrible side effects 20 years later. In fact, I don't think they're strict enough. I agree with him based on how much it costs to get any sort of drug onto the market. Uh, Scott Alexander writes some great things about like why, how now doctors can give you fish oil after a $20 million. Melatonin uh, too. And melatonin, yeah. And people in Europe have just been doing it for years because people already know that it's safe it's just that they can't sell it until they go through these hoops there's a number of things that the fdi has really dragged its feet on and it has taken much longer i as a personal example had a vasectomy just last year because i was sick and fucking tired of waiting for vasogel to get approved by the fda truth i had been like seven years and i was like all right fuck it i'm apparently never gonna get this so but would you want it to have it if there was a chance that in 20 years your junk would fall off yeah there's a pretty good chance it's not gonna fall off the, 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 um, the, um, 5% is too high a chance for me. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's much lower than 5%. Uh, the, th that's what he's saying that their risk tolerance is way, way too low and ends up killing more people than it helps because the amount of people that could be saved if things were just, uh, sped up a little bit is higher than the amount of people that will be hurt due to something slipping through the cracks. I would like to see the statistics about how many, how much money has been given to people who took pharmaceuticals that 10 to 20 years later really ended up messing them up in some way? Because I actually think that that point is incorrect, but I don't have any data. Okay. And I would like to find the data because I'm pretty sure you're right. It would be conclusive one way or the other. Like we could probably get a clear answer. For what it's worth, you guys are both saying I'm against Eliezer's point or I'm for Eliezer's point. Or on his side, rather. I don't think he was making... I don't think he was picking... No, that's no, not no. what he was trying to do we were, at all. We were falling no, right, yeah. we were falling I just right think this was a bad yeah. example. And I wanted to point out well, that think, I've been... I think he pointed out... I think I think I just wanted to say that what he's saying may be factually true. Um, whether mm -hmm. or not... If he's trying to illustrate a larger point with that, I think is different. But, you know, if... Whatever... I didn't click the link that this this is a hyperlink in, his, in the post that mm -hmm. the... That, the FDA prevents 5,000 casualties per year, but causes at least 20,000 to 120,000 casualties by delaying approval of beneficial medi medications. Um, so that's uh, FDAreview.org. Um, presumably, maybe they've done their homework. I'm not sure. But, you know, whether or not, I think even if you take that as true, um, the point is, is like, is that good? Is that okay? Is that an acceptable loss? Is that, is that, yeah. are we willing to do that for the, for the risk of saving saving people from bad medicine and to be more on topic the idea that we should try to decide policy and regulation not based on our preconceived sides or actually i think this article might be more relevant now than when it was written because now we definitely have the culture war leaking into our decisions about regulation and the tribalism that comes with that so there is a real value in being able to be objective and look at all the data in the notebook of rationality yeah, I think it's funny that Eliezer fell into his own trap. <laughs> I thought it was really funny because he starts out um, kind of going back on uh, the earlier Birch's Law essay, saying that he opened it with uh, saying that if people are allowed to behave in stupid ways, they will. This will inevitably lead to people hurting themselves. And then people took that to mean that he was pro-regulation. But he was just trying to say that I'm just stating a fact about the situation. And I could have brought up the best points for the other side, but that would be missing the point. I shouldn't have to. And then he goes ahead and gives the whole other side of the argument, even though he said he shouldn't have to. <laughs> I, think, I think that was on purpose. Though. Yeah, um, it was just funny. It was. And I think what he was to be, in my, in my reading anyway, was that it was like, this isn't a, an argument with sides, but if you're assuming I'm taking one, fine, here's the other side's position. But I think the whole 
meta point is that like there aren't sides or that rather there shouldn't be sides here there's just the facts yeah and then you know you you take in all the facts you try to get them as unbiased as possible and then process them as unbiasedly as possible and then you weigh them with whatever you value and then you decide what your policy proposal is you know like you know the car the example of cars is really easy right like i'm actually not sure what the best arguments are for like not putting in like a lower speed governor on cars like it turns out if you, if you take at least a lot of cars built like after 2000 and on an open highway and go like 115 miles an hour it stops accelerating and then just coasts you back down to 80 before you can use the accelerator again oh really um, yeah they've cars have governors on them that don't let you just go 150 miles an hour if your car is physically capable of it so why doesn't that kick in at 90 because there are no speed limits that let you go above 90 in the country well I'm not sure what the argument is, but the real reason is that like it's fun to go that fast if it's safe to do so. Well, and sometimes it's convenient. Totally. Um, the, the way that we found out about this... When you're driving through fucking Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> the, we were going through the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago with uh, like a friend who, and his car was 2003 or four Pontiac. It wasn't something fancy. It was just what was around. And uh, when we got it, I can't remember, it was 110 or 115, but we would go miles so several minutes without seeing anybody so we were just like seeing how fast the car can go and you know by that speed car shaking a lot you know there's a lot of uncertainty of the structural integrity of the the car (laughs) and like you know am i gonna just you know hit a light bump and just go careening off the road or something and then the car like and you're just it just idled until or rather it just the accelerator stopped working until it, like i said hit 80 or 85 again is that so. after you had already hit 115 yeah. or whatever okay it was whatever top speed you hit then it slowed it down i'm sure there's something that we can look up on whatever and how long called. was it before you could go back up until the car hit whatever 80 miles an hour oh and then um, you could then you okay. could accelerate again yeah and how old was the car it was like a mid-2000s okay yeah i want to say early 2000s 2001 or three or something but anyway i brought that up as just a uh, a thing that the the argument that like look cars kill people it's not an argument that's just a fact mm. right so that's something you, you write down in the notebook of rationality 30,000 people 30,000 Americans die every year in car accidents th- that's that's a bad thing nobody wants that is that an acceptable cost for having cars that's the question people try to answer right or is that an acceptable cost for having cars the way they are and the answer we've collectively given is yes yeah so but like the facts aren't biased themselves like Again, just like the fact that kids die every year playing with their parents' guns or in school shootings, that's not an argument. That's weird. This sounds or weird to say. Or taking their parents' <laughs> medicine. Like, let's use that as an yeah. example. Well, kids but, die every year from opening up their parents' like pain medicine that their parents have very good reasons to have and taking too many. Does that mean that we need to, like, make it even more difficult to open the pill bottles? Should we just get rid of all pain medications because of Should that we get risk? rid of swimming pools entirely mm-hmm. it's because weird. children can die in them? It's weird to say that, like, you know, the number of dead kids every year is isn't an argument against guns, but it's well, no, it is an argument against guns, but it's just one thing to consider. It's also just a fact about like what it means. Oh, that I we see have what you're available. saying. Yeah, I was trying to make it like just just here's here's all the facts that we can put together. Now, weigh how much you care about them. But yeah, the swimming pool thing is something that people bring up all bring up a lot, and the medication thing is important too. And side note on medication, God, I whenever I bring home. You know, like even as, especially if it's over the counter stuff like Excedrin or whatever, when I buy it, I'll bring it home and then open it immediately. Cause fuck opening that stuff when you have a headache and you need it, oh and you're just like, oh my god. And then then you've got to sit there and like punch the little wrap thing that doesn't tear off properly, and it makes that loud popping noise, and you already have a big headache. So that's super annoying, right? And if it was even more, even if it was even harder to open, I'd be even more annoyed about it. So I feel like I got a glimpse into your life just there, like a <laughs> brief, brief image of like angry headache, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like punching a bottle. I, I'm using like the knuckle to, to bust through the. the I wish cellophane, I wish whatever. the listeners could see the technique he's using. It's Dude, get, truly get wonderful. A tool. Do you like not the toenail clipper you got in your bathroom? I'm I assuming? do. And or, I, or a toothbrush. And it's easy to get open when I'm not needing okay. the pain medication, right? Gotcha. It's just like when you get in there and it's just like, oh god, I need this right now, and you're like, I can't fucking open this. That's my minor gripe. And I don't care how many dead kids it cost me. I want, I want, them, <laughs> I want them to be easier to open. <laughs> I'd like to point out that uh, when we were just talking just now about, like, you can't just say, uh, I, I'd like to shoot my guns, or you can't just say, yes, we're willing to accept these deaths for cars. Uh, he points it out here that we all know what happens when you try to trade off a sacred value against a non-sacred value. It's why when someone says, but if you don't ban cars, people will die in car crashes, we don't say... Yes, people will die horrible flaming deaths and they don't deserve it, but it's worth it so I don't have to walk to work in the morning, which is technically what we've all decided as a society, right? It's worth the convenience despite innocent people dying in car fires. Instead, you say, how dare you take away our freedom to drive? We'll decide for ourselves. We're just as good at making decisions as you are. That sounds a lot more like the gun debate. And him using cars here over than guns was a really great idea. Yeah. But I also feel like that's not really the argument the real argument is that cars save us opportunity time like for every person a car kills think about people whose lives were saved by ambulances and ubers taking them to hospitals at a speed that they could not have walked yeah i I think you're you're just making a argument for the sake of winning the argument at this point because you could easily make a law that only ambulances or people you know only vehicles taking people to hospitals or other emergency situations are allowed to drive I don't think we could sustain our economy, though, or oh, no, we certainly um, support couldn't. our, you know, the number of uh, population that we have without cars. Right. It, it's so, worth so it. Choosing, no, no. We're, so, yeah. we're, we're choosing yeah. those deaths for the economy that we have. For the humans that are sustained by that economy. Because if we didn't have cars, it's not like those people would disappear. They would die hungry and the economy would fall apart. Well, we could have much denser cities. I think if we put the – if we if – we put all the ingenuity and money behind it that we could to refactor the like the job market you know what you're then right. th- this sounds like a solvable problem the point the that's po- fair but the point is isn't that's but we're having an argument that i think he's trying to avoid and that like we're not really having we're, we're we're raising points about why cars are a good idea but that's not that's not the point right no it isn't um, and technically but, what, what he's saying isn't false the, the, this is about our freedom to drive we want true. the freedom to choose that convenience over the risk of death it's just put in a much more sacred value sort of way rather than a we did the math and we prefer the convenience sort of way yeah there's kind of signaling that comes into play about what arguments you are and aren't allowed to use yeah which is kind of a whole other point but it's still kind of interesting maybe that should be a lesson we take out of this which is we should try to not allow at least in honest discussions our fear of signaling from being honest about the good and bad qualities or the different qualities of a possible regulation i agree completely that also um, hinges on having a person on the opposite side that you trust because if you think you're up against someone who doesn't care and will treat politics as a winner take all do whatever you need to win thing then you're not going to just say we did the calculations and we think the convenience is worth the deaths you have to catch it in these frames otherwise you'll be crucified isn't there a slate star codex post about uh the difference between people who believe that we are just disagreeing about something yeah, like yeah, mistake yeah. theory versus like conflict theory conflict like I just you read are that malicious one. yeah i wanted to do I an episode like on that too i feel like that's very much related because one of the comments to that pointed out that how you deal with a person in a disagreement and whether you default to assuming mistake or conflict has a lot to do with 
do you think they are acting in good faith? Because if you think someone is acting in good faith, you are more willing to just believe it's a mistake. But if you think they're being malicious, then you're not going to extend that and you're going to end up falling into this scales of justice, right or wrong mentality. So maybe the answer is to be good rationalists. We should be nicer to each other. <laughs> I also think this is a great reason to raise the sanity waterline because then if there's more people that you can trust to have these conversations with that aren't going to use them to crucify you in the public or even if you know the public won't accept your crucifixion they'll be like look we're all rational enough to consider these numbers that would be a better world in my yeah, opinion like I, uh, the best world would be a world where someone can be wrong and they won't be ostracized for it as long as it's clear that they were trying their best yeah the google guy mm. yeah that, that's really the one i think of even if he's 100 percent wrong i don't think what happened to him was fair and hopefully we can become a society that is more capable of reading the notebook and less inclined to look at the scales. Well, like just the perverse way, the, the weird way that things get when you're considering arguments and by extension facts to take sides, you get, you know, again, climate change denial. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, well, that can't be true because it'd be bad for business. Right. And because it's bad for business, well, then I deny the facts. And so like, that's just a really like taking out its face if you do that with like another thing um but like say nutrition like well i like snickers if you if you say they're bad for me i'm gonna just disagree with your science because i think snickers taste good and therefore i'm not gonna take your word for it that they're bad for me that sounds insane to make that argument right it sounded uh, insane already when you did it for climate science <laughs> but but that's more mainstream disagreements i was trying to pick something even more insane. only in america yeah uh so the not not just I wasn't giving sympathy to the climate change denier, deniers. I was just saying that you know you can use this anywhere and it sounds insane. Um, to to the fact that you know what what climate change I guess not climate change deniers. What you know unregulated unregulated business proponents should be saying is like sure it's bad for the environment but it's good for business and you know and that that sounds that sounds like too like evil to say. So they should say we'll use our profits in fifty years to save the environment or something. Also, right? let's not forget that. You could always say, like, yeah, we are climate change deniers, but they might have, like, a few good points. Like, I heard the argument recently that whenever a lot of volcanoes explode, you see a general drop in the Earth's temperature because there's ash in the sky. There's been, like, three volcanoes in 2018, and there is, it looks like we might have another one in Hawaii in 2019. And there's a very good chance it's going to lower global temperatures for the next decade. This does not mean that global warming is not happening, and it does not mean that climate change isn't real but because anyone who brings up the point that things might actually get colder for a little while is automatically thought of to be against climate change and a denier they're shoved into that camp hmm. like we aren't listening to those people because it sounds like it signals something bad when that's not their goal they're just trying to put out a piece of data is yeah, that actually happening i didn't yeah. know that happened either that's, that's a really good example of a case where somebody for our side though could be a well, I, I'm assuming we're none of us are climate change denialists, right. but uh, you know that that's a person who. Well, what was I trying to say there? Yeah, that like you know we're we're pro the side of climate change is real, but that's the side of climate change is real actually negatively painting someone who could have been an ally, because yeah. you're trying to make it a blue or a green issue. Who was just trying to point out a fact that hey, it might actually get colder for a while, and then if it, like this would be a person who this winter if it was unusually cold. They would point out, and then people would be like, don't you get it? Cl temperature and weather isn't the same thing as climate. You hate the environment, when really that guy was just trying to be like, hey, maybe we should also deal with the ash in the sky. 
That's interesting. I would hope that our side, the scientists, aren't that beleaguered. Yeah, but if they are, then that sucks. But you're right. If they if they are, then they're failing, and they should just be. Yeah, look, in 50 years, temperatures are going to be crazy. But right now, they're weird because of whatever atmospheric ash. Then I would like to think that fact would be absorbed by scientists, and they would just keep. It's not just scientists though. Like pro climate is like a blue and green issue. Yeah, which is insane. So uh, you will get the pro people that aren't going to listen to that guy because he sounds like he's like giving a greenish yeah, uh, position. Yeah, that's And then point. you're going to have the green people who are going to misinterpret him and be like, yeah, the world's only getting cooler. These climate <laughs> change deniers are wrong. And then 10 years later, when the temperature is like four degrees higher and New York is underwater, they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have listened to that guy. It is just weird that, I mean, that's the whole point of all these posts, but I just, the, the meta step back point, like the fact that you're desire to have a certain policy proposal or, or decision can impact on like the facts that you're i know that like this is what we're talking about but i'm just seeing this like kind of like an original seeing right now and it's just blowing my fucking mind um i might have said this before i'm having deja vu right now so uh yeah yeah i think it's important to notice too that or to you know be aware of the idea that even though we like consider ourselves rationalists our brains still work like this too it's like really easy to think of oh like People who are, aren't rationalists have all these biases, but we do too, and we have to be aware of them. Well, I think you can train yourself to be less affected by it. Like, I, th- I think there's actually studies that show that the more you learn about cognitive biases, like to an extent, the more affected you are by them because you think that you understand. <laughs> I Okay, so that's the thing. I believe that rationality has nothing to do with understanding cognitive biases. I think it's all about building instinctual patterns yeah. of thought. Like, like a martial arts technique. In the first three seconds. Yeah. One of the things you should do is anytime you hear someone say something absolutely outrageous, you should immediately try to steel man their argument. Like make that a habit, especially for the people you dislike. And then eventually you'll be less likely to fall into blue-green thinking because you'll immediately see the strongest part of both arguments. I think what Jess was talking about was called sophistication bias, uh, where when you're aware of cognitive biases, you can point them out in your opponents and then say, I don't fall, I don't fall prey to these because I already know the bias. Yeah. Whatever. yeah. Um, no, but I agree uh, with what David was saying. Me too, uh, yeah. Like that was, I think, actually one of the strengths that the rationalist community has over like the atheist movement, because I did see a lot of that, like uh, making fun of religious people for their cognitive biases, acting as though they didn't have any themselves. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's uh, training the kind of subcognitive techniques is sort of the whole point. Yeah. And whatever whatever tools work for you, some will work better than others. I think the science of rationality is still working that out. But one thing I try to do is if I if if I'm reading something, this is something I did back when I was reading a lot more philosophy in college was like, if I came across something that I was agreeing with a lot, I found my, if I noticed I was nodding my head, I would stop and I'd be like, all right, hold on, go back a couple pages and then try and rip apart everything you just read, tear it to shreds. Cause if, if you're agreeing enough to like be physically, physically agreeing with it, Stephen, you're, you need to check yourself before you're just uh, running with it too hard. Yeah. So. This sounds a little too good. Exactly. <laughs> There's something tribal going on here. I always go with the opposite feeling, which is like, if I ever notice myself getting really angry at hearing someone or talk, that, and I know that other people find him popular, especially when I know that they're, they're reasonable people that I trust on other things. I always go, okay, I'm obviously missing something. So what am I missing here? What, what would be the best interpretation? Point received, David. I'll check out David Peterson's stuff, all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was thinking of Jordan Peterson, too, because I actually had this like really knee-jerk reaction to just like a lot of his mannerisms, the way he had been presented. I was like, I, I should probably go read his book, actually, because... Yeah, he, his book is delightful, even, even if I don't like what I he's been I doing with that. recently. I found the book really hard to get through, but I, I think that I agree with a lot of his points in the book. I've seen enough of his videos that I do not feel compelled to read his book. The book is different from the videos, Completely. though. Completely. 
But he's gone off the deep end. He's yeah. doing a talk, I think, with uh, Dave Rubin and Sebastian Gorka. And if anyone doesn't know, Sebastian Gorka is the closest thing to a living supervillain I'm aware of. He was a right-wing nationalist from Eastern Europe who helped Trump get elected and has may or may not have supported Hungarian war crimes. Hmm. And he has a goatee and literally talks like this. Yes. Don't you understand, my good fellow? It's not necessarily a reason to think he's evil, though. A lot of people have accents. Supporting neo-Nazis in Eastern Europe is a very good reason for me to think you're evil. I, I, I was talking about the accent. And the goatee. And the goatee. I think and that was Listen, more... as someone with a goatee who sometimes speaks with an accent, I definitely don't trust him. <laughs> and his deep scar running down his face and his cat that he's petting while he's on stage. Right. Yeah. I Just look up YouTube videos of Gorka, and you'll, I'm telling you, if you don't think he's a supervillain, message me. <laughs> I want to end with... Okay, first of all, I've noticed that a lot of the times when we end talking one of these, I pull out his quotes at the very end. Because they're very punchy and good. I am just realized this is another thing that makes him such a great essay writer. Yeah. He always ends the essay with something that's like, oh, damn. Or else like, oh, fuck yeah. Or just <laughs> something that's so like poignant poignant and emotionally engaging that you want to read the next essay. And it r- sticks in your mind. So I'm like, yeah, he's, this, this guy is good at writing. Anyways, he ends with, imagine for a moment that much of what the Greens said about the downside of blue policy was true. That left to the mercy of the free market, many people would be crushed by powers far beyond their understanding, nor would they deserve it. And imagine that most of what the blues said about the ground side of green policy was also true. That regulators were fallible humans with poor incentives, whacking on delicately balanced forces with a sledgehammer. Close your eyes and imagine it. Extrapolate the results. If that were true, then, then you'd have a big problem and no easy way to fix it. <laughs> That's what you'd have. Does this universe look familiar? Love it. Yeah. Wait, that looks. That reminds me of home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. All problems are easy in where I live. <laughs> Mostly it's delusional, but it's nice. <laughs> so, did we have anything before we finish and move on? No, I don't think so. I think I, I do get, I think it's fun. And that's, that's one thing that I like. Uh, we've got a meetup tonight that, you know, I'm looking forward to going to because there's, the norm in the community where, you know, at least we're getting there with, you know, some of the people aren't, you know, super into this stuff, but, you know, where you could, where somebody could be taking a, a strong, emotionally charged stance and they could just say, hey, look, Steven, you realize that, like, you're using that fact as an argument, right? And like, oh, shit, you're right. Let me, let me, we can agree on the fact or disagree on the fact and then research it and see who's right or wrong. And then I'll just tell you what my values are and we'll see what we can do about this. But I think it's gr- the the ability to be able to point to somebody and say, hold on, the fact isn't choosing your side. And for them to, you know, not to say, fuck you, or I'll make it choose my side and to say, oh, wow, you're right. Yep. Let me, let me reassess what's going on. I find that to be indispensably valuable. Yeah. That's where I'm at. It's a good community to have. Totally. For next time, we will be reading the Less Wrong Posts, Super Stimuli and the Collapse of Western Civilization <laughs> and Useless Medical Disclaimers. There will be links to both of these on our website, as usual, thebayesianconspiracy.com. Yep. All right. I was going to say we should do listener feedback. We just had a few quick ones, but at this point, it's just about time for us to leave to our meetup. I don't think we really have time. Yeah, I don't have much to much else to run on. Yeah, there's some feedback, but I do want to save those for time when we have we actual time to address them. Yeah. Let's see. Anything else to cover? I think just thank our patron. Yeah. Oh, wait. Video game section. Not everything in here, but <laughs> as far as a light note, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which I'm not in love with. It's oh, a popular really? game. It's I've heard all, so many good things about it. It's I played the first one just like a few months ago to give it a shot. 
because I didn't really I hadn't played any of them and it plays like a Rockstar game it plays like GTA where it's kind of okay. clunky and all the buttons do a lot of things and if you crash your horse does it explode <laughs> <laughs> no but you can run it like accidentally into a pole and kill it so you you really bond with it too like because oh, no! you care about this it is worse. and uh you get to name it and um it's you, you're the like the time that you spend with it like your 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 affinity with it goes up so like it this is like if things. your tamagotchi died every time you dropped it <laughs> yeah right oh it's super weird how the psychology of that thing works because even in horizon zero dawn i was like getting kind of emotionally attached to some of the robots that i was riding around and i started naming them unofficially oh no <laughs> yeah it's anyway i guess this isn't interesting but i i feel like it's clunky the story feels kind of like i'm not invested in it even though i'm playing through the story and it's but that that's that it's beautiful and there's a lot to do you can run around i like the immersive aspects to it like you need to eat drink and sleep and keep your your health up and stuff you can get overweight so can your horse need to moderate that wow. and um, you don't find that annoying no i i like the, i like all that stuff but what i don't like is that the entire game feels like work even yeah. like the quests. I was about to say, I don't like controlling my own diet in real life. I know. Like, <laughs> why would I want to do double the work and help it for a digital creature? Just take some pixels off. <laughs> I think what I like is, like, in Horizon Zero Dawn, like, for example, the game can last, I don't know, however many in-game weeks, but you never need to sleep. Uh. And it's like, you know, and I don't want it to be, like, where you're getting tired and fatigued, like, to the point where it's ruining the game, but I like it a little bit, right? Yeah, uh, um, it didn't break my immersion. There's been games where it did kind of... Um, even in Horizon Zero Dawn, the, the thing that broke my immersion was whenever you jumped into icy cold water wearing basically like a leather bikini and then you got out and you're just running around fighting more robots. I was like, no, you'd just be dead of hypothermia. Yeah. You create a lot of body heat fighting those robots. I guess. You, you can should spe spend more time at Russian bathhouses. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can spend like your entire months long playthrough of Skyrim never sleeping or eating. And yet there's options to sleep and eat in the game, but it's like just for fun. Hmm. No, sometimes you need to eat a lot of cheese to heal. To, to heal, <laughs> sure. But, you know, if, if you have healing spells and potions, you're fine. I don't know. So I, when I played through Skyrim a couple years ago, I did it with all the mods that had all the immersion stuff. I realized this is way over the head and we can probably cut all this out. This is just video game talk. I thought it'd be fun to end on a light note that didn't matter to anything. So you know, everyone I, tell me why I'm wrong about Red Dead Redemption. I feel like I must have a cold dead heart or something because I never get attached to the things in video games, really. Um, do you I, are you able to play the dark route in games that you kind of choose your responses or choose your game path? Because I have a hard time with that too. I mean, I'm oh able God, to. I generally I do. don't want. Every I generally don't, I but play, I can. I'm looking for orphans to murder. I try <laughs> to do it. I've actually. I just started playing on the what is it? Bioshock. The, it's not the Life is Strange sequel. Um, before the storm right and i was like i'm gonna make this character behave like an asshole because that's actually in character for her and i found it so hard to just go up to npcs and say mean things to them especially if they give me a sad expression afterwards <laughs> like you she she goes like and, and talks shit to her mom who's like a like single mom who's like, I feel working like really hard trying this. to <laughs> i feel like you should save this conversation for super stimuli because once they oh, make yeah. you care more about the digital creatures than real humans yeah. then we're in a bad place I care Although a, I did more about beefy. real humans Huh? For now. I did kind of love Vivi from Final Fantasy IX. I would have been sad if something bad happened to him. You do have a heart. That, <laughs> so that's not about the moral choices and stuff and choosing the bad character. Like, I, I can't do that. I always play the, the paragon of virtue. You know, like Bioshock, um, you can harvest the little sisters or you can save them. And you get less You get less uh, power points, but you get, uh, you get the warm fuzzies. But, I usually but, do the thing that's more story interesting. I remember in Mass Effect, there were times when you could do an option, like during the cutscenes, to either choose a paragon thing or to choose a, um, what was the, Renegade. And the Renegade was the evil one, supposedly. But there were a lot of times when, like, only one of the options came up. 
And whenever you pick the option, you would get a more interesting storyline event happen. So I didn't care. I was like, whether it's good or evil, I will always pick one if there's only one option because it's more interesting that way. Red Dead 2 handles that really well in that the first game, you're playing like a reformed outlaw where he's like, I'm just trying to do the right thing and get back on, you know, go over live on my ranch with my wife and kids. This one, you're still part of the gang. This this takes place before the first one. And so you're, you're part... You're oh, that's still, a prequel too. You're, yeah, you're, you're still part of the, the gang. And so... Like, for, for tasks that you have to go do, you've got to, like, you know, go collect loan shark debts and, like, just beat this guy up in front of his wife and kids. Oh and it's God. like, I don't really want to, but it's like, it's perfectly in character for Arthur Morgan to do this. So <laughs> I guess I'm going to kick this dude's yeah. ass. Um, he shouldn't so have gotten those debts. So it's, it's, but it's fun that, like, it, it makes it okay for someone like me to play kind of a bad guy. So, like, I still do nice things, but, like, if I'm going to, you know, rob a chariot once in a while and turn it in for cash, well, I'm an outlaw. That's what I'm supposed to do. I could not stand that you could kill the prostitutes in GTA to get your money back. That just really that's, sickened that's me. That's the moral line that you draw? The, you know what? I have a special I mean, place a pretty, in my heart for sex workers. Yeah. And they're just, they're vulnerable people. And it's just, it was so fucked up. I think a lot of, I mean, I, I, I only played those games. I found those games really clunky to play. And some of those mechanics have been worked out in Red Dead 2. But, uh, like, I didn't even play the games because of that. The whole thing was that, like, you could run around killing everybody. Yeah, I know. But the fact that, like, everyone was like, by the way, you can fuck the prostitute to get your health up and then kill her and take your money back. I was like... Fuck this game. That just—it's still illegal in the game. You still get—you still get wanted. Fuck this game, yeah, man. That's fair. If, if you know what, if you didn't like get your money back or something, just making that incentive be part of the game. But that's not immersive. Really you just me. handed her the cash. It's still going to be on her body, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> to hell with you, Steven. You <laughs> no, no. I'm going to argue this, Steven. If we wanted to be realistic, you should have a chance of getting chlamydia every time you go with them, and then your health would just well, go down also, every day. The other people in the game, when you kill them, do you loot their bodies and take what cash they have on their wallets? Don't Sometimes, don't, don't, yeah. Doesn't their money explode out of them like, yeah. and it shows up on the street? Yeah, uh, so. Uh, Everyone has money. Uh, Actually, the only safe people in GTA are the homeless. <laughs> There's nothing of value. All right. Okay, anyways, we are done. Oh, yeah, we got to thank our patron. That's right. This week, is it my turn or your turn? Uh, we've, we we record these, like, weeks apart, and that's why we never remember whose turn it is. So Rock, paper, him... scissors. Why don't, why don't we let Jess do it? Jess! Yeah. Okay, hand me the, oh, one that I'm not sure if I can pronounce. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so the, the patron this time is Jonathan DeWitt, and uh, we want to thank you for being our patron, and uh, please don't leave Patreon over. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do, join the other, pa- the other patron that we're yeah, going to do. Yeah, we're considering giving us crypto from the strange crypto platform <laughs> that'll be the alternative soon. All right. We, don't have, we haven't got that set up yet, though. So. No, it doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. So that said, Inyash, are you going to keep using Patreon? Disp- I know we're after the episode, but like so, I, like I mentioned, we had we had one of our largest donors leave yeah. because they're protesting what they did to Sargon of Akkad and what they're probably going to do to other people. Right. Um, I'm still on Patreon. It's, it's I didn't hard follow Sam Harris I to his website to keep paying him there. So. See, the, I would do the opposite. Like, I want to keep supporting the people that I'm supporting. But I don't want to support Patreon. So if they had an option available, if there's some other f- platform, I would much rather support them through that other platform. Or and, you know, directly. I would, or yeah, but that donating directly is hard. It is. Uh, and and I would you know encourage them to do that because that would make me feel better. Right on. I can take it. All right. Anyways, we're done. So thanks everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye everybody. Thanks everybody.